You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you. We're talking about The Orville. Yes, The Orville, which we've been waiting for years to come back on our screens, is finally here. And so this was a good time, I thought, to share our Season 2 panel. I apologize that it didn't come out before The Orville came back. I mistimed things, both because we lost a couple of weeks, but also because I took the gamble that Stargirl was coming back in late May or June, because that was its normal time slot. But, of course, the news has come out now that CW has pushed it to the fall, and so there was no need for me to release the Stargirl episode when I did. I wish I'd released the Orville episode then instead, but, oh well. If things go right with this, based on when I'm recording it, You should get this episode just after the first episode has released, so you're not too far into the third season yet. But still excited that the show is coming back. In other news for me, Beth and I are watching through Superman and Lois and The Flash still. Definitely surprised about all the CW cancellations and everything going on there. I do think Batwoman deserved more of a chance than it got, but oh well, it is what it is. Definitely wish Legends went on because I did like the Booster Gold finale that they did and wanted to see more of that, even though I haven't really been big on the show for the last four years. But definitely happy that Superman Lois is continuing, and we'll see what they do with The Flash. I'm hoping that they do something to at least give it its weight as the flagship of what's left of the Arrowverse and do some sort of a Justice League kind of thing with that final season. Well, we don't know it's the final season, but with the ninth season and do something really big there. So here's hoping for that. We watched through Star Trek Picard, and now we have started Moon Knight. We're only one episode into Moon Knight, so my thoughts so far aren't very well developed. The first episode kind of underwhelmed me, but we'll see, hopefully, because I see everybody's mooning over Moon Knight. I'm hoping the rest of the episodes uh, really bring it and I get really excited, but when the whole first episode hinges on... Oh, well, never mind. I'm not going to go into that because this isn't a Moon Knight episode and I don't want to give spoilers. But yeah, I'm not going to talk too long here. Let's join the podcast already in progress. Let's meet our guests for this week. So starting off, she is our uh, Star Trek aficionado. Um, She's uh, a cosplayer extraordinaire. She is my buddy, Stephanie. How are you doing, Stephanie? Hey, I'm doing well. Just doing my usual, are you recording check? I am recording. That is a good thing to check. (laughs) Then I am doing even better. (laughs) So, uh, Stephanie, we, we just released our first first of our star trek series that we're doing (laughs) hey that was only recorded about a year and a half ago (laughs) hey 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 not a year and a half more like a year and three months (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure it was in February, and we're in July now, so... No, it was recorded in April, because I was behind everybody watching Discovery, so... Oh, okay. Well, the series <laughs> finale was in... You're right, no, the series finale, you're right, the season finale was in April, but or in February, okay. but we well. recorded a couple months later. Either way... <laughs> Your yeah. timing is just spectacular. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very prompt and efficient. So how are you enjoying talking about Star Trek? It's been fun, especially yeah. my uh, watching uh, a couple of the movies in two times speed because I realized I didn't watch all of them in time for the podcast. <laughs> Oh, I, I thought mean, you were going to like mention. It was my first time watching them, but you know. I thought you were going to mention watching Star Trek: The Animated Series as a highlight. <laughs> oh, I had blocked that from my memory. <laughs> oh man! But yeah. I am making my way through Next Gen, which is an appropriate thing to mention on an Orville. Right? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know what's even weirder is I'm watching the extras on the Blu-ray, and it's Seth MacFarlane doing like interviews with people in a lot of them. So I'm like, <laughs> Beth, my wife, walks in and she's just like, "What's he doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of ironic. Uh, yeah, I have all the Blu-rays, but I'm still just watching it on Netflix just mm. because it's easier to watch wherever I happen to be when I have the free time to watch it. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, so where are you right now? Oh, I'm still in season one. But oh, okay. I, am, I, I was... Oh, what episode is it? It's one of the last episodes of the season where it's setting it up for... Uh, for Wesley going to the Academy and there's some sort of controversy going on within um, or not controversy uh, we were talking about that too much before you start recording yeah. um, <laughs> some sort of conspiracy going on mm. in Starfleet and that that one plot line you know that was going to be epic and then they just uh. drop it without ever resolving <laughs> right. it and the sad thing is I kept waiting all the way through DS9 and Voyager because I'm like they could easily revisit that plot line in either of those two shows for different reasons but mm. It's like no, no, we're never, we're never gonna go there again. So it's yeah, kinda... it's like they kind of took one aspect of it to create the trill, and that was about it. Right. I don't even know if that's what they were thinking of when they did the trill, but yeah, probably it's... not. But I'm grasping at straws here because <laughs> you know it was a big setup, and I mean they started setting it up in season one. Anyways, we'll save this for. Right. Right. So uh, what's been going on for you since the last time you were on, Stephanie? Um, I don't really know. Uh, <laughs> I've got a new cat. Mm. Um, a little stray that happened to literally run into my arms. I see those videos on on Facebook and such, or those posts of, well, I guess I have a cat now. And I was always like, oh, that's cute. I wonder how much of it was staged until I was literally out on my front porch and a little gray kitty came running up to me into my arms and i was like well i guess i have another cat now <laughs> and now you've started thinking about collecting all the neighborhood strays uh, i haven't been thinking about it they've just been <laughs> gathering on my porch <laughs> it's your crazy cat lady starter kit <laughs> <laughs> but neelix has finally started getting along really well with lupon and it's kind of funny seeing this big 25 pound cat chasing around this little 10 pound cat and they have fun and play together, and there's not a whole bunch of hisses and growls anymore, so that's the important part. Yeah, Neelix is a really ridiculously huge cat. 
I mean, he is a Maine Coon, and he's fat. So you put those <laughs> two together, and yeah. I've got a miniature mountain lion. Yep. Yep. I see the pictures, and I'm just like, wow, he is like two or three of Lupin. But, um, but yeah, no, that's cool. Um, any con stuff uh, going on? Um, not really. We did Colossal Con not that long ago, which is, you know, like, Midwest drunken anime con at a water park. So <laughs> Yeah, the water park part is the one that made me go, what? <laughs> <laughs> and the water park is also why it's drunk con. So. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, those are two things that go really well together. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever been to a Kalahari, it makes sense. <laughs> but uh, basically, the, the resort that it's held at has these giant, like, the cups are so big they can fit on your head mm-hmm. and you they, they sell them with booze and they really don't care if you're walking around with open alcohol as long as it's in a Kalahari cup so yeah it becomes drunk con <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well that sounds like a great time I, I just uh, I, we just went to uh, the Wisconsin Comet Convention um which uh, is the first year since we've been here that they've had a, a Comic Con here in uh, Wisconsin. That wasn't well. Well, all right. There's Mighty Con, but Mighty Con is like a one day thing that they do on either a Saturday or a Sunday. It's just basically a dealer's room with like a guest. Um, so that doesn't really count to me. So, but Wisconsin Comic Con is actually a three day con. That's you know. Like I mean, a, when I was I mean, in high school, Gen Con was in Milwaukee. Hmm. So, but of course they left like after I'd finally discovered it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be nice if Gen Con was here, but it's in Indianapolis now. Yeah, they moved there like my senior year of high school, I think. Yeah. It's nowhere near as big as a C2E2, but, uh, you know, it's just nice to have a con that's local. So oh, I yeah. figured that we should, you know, support it. So <laughs> we yeah, went for definitely. a day. Yeah. And it was fun. I mean, you know, Beth got to do her cosplay thing, and we walked the dealer's room, and I got to see Nichelle Nichols, which was nice, because she's my only, she's the only Star Trek person that I've met so far. Hmm. Although, if I make it to Dragon Con, I'm going to meet George Takei, which will be awesome, so. That'll be fun. Yeah. But, uh, all right. Well, it's, it's good to have you back on the show, Stephanie. Thanks for having me back on the show. No problem. All right, so next up, um, he is the guy that absolutely loves comics. He uh, also loves to dress up as the Riddler, and that is my buddy Eric. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing well. How's things? <laughs> I'm doing... I'm alive. Yep, I was going to say. It's, gonna, it's a start. Have, you, have, you have your health as of now, so this is good. <laughs> Actually, I don't even have that. So, um, I just got over having bronchitis. The bronchitis apparently led to both... Uh, an eye infection and, uh, in, it's not an ear infection. It's like I have fluid in my ears now. I, they had a Jesus. name for it. I don't remember what it is. Uh, the eye infection I'm treating with drops, but the ear thing, the doctor's basically like, yeah, we don't really have a good way of treating this. So unless it goes away on its own, we're going to have to stick a tube in you and siphon it all out. 
So that doesn't sound pleasant. Um, it can get excruciatingly painful, which is why I thought it was an ear infection. Uh, but as long as they take ibuprofen, like the pain is not really that great. But it sounds like uh, somebody has shoved cotton balls into my left ear. Um, and, and I have a hard time hearing out of that ear right now. So, so yeah, um, health is, um, a little spotty too. <laughs> Although at least I can yeah. talk now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, really, uh, savoring the idea of having a tube stuck in my head, uh, to, to drain the fluid in my ear, but we'll see what happens there. Yeah, that, that would freak me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even better, though, is is before all this happened, I was actually scheduled for some eyelid surgery because I have cysts growing in my eyelids. <laughs> hey, if it makes you feel any better, I think I've got one growing in my eyelid. Yay! Oh, yeah. Is it near your tear duct? No, it's like dead center of my eyelid. And oh, okay. just when I'm... I, I really only notice it when I'm putting on makeup and I'm closing my eye and there's just this random bump mm. in the center of my lid. Yeah, if there, if it's anywhere else, it's really easy to remove. My The, the issue with mine, uh, I have two of them and one's on the upper eyelid, the other's on the lower, and they're right near the the, uh, the tear duct. Oof. So it's, it's like... An, so I've had a cyst removed from my eyelid before uh, years ago and that was a simple procedure. I just sit in a chair and they basically just like cut it out. But for this, it's like an actual operation where I'm going to be in an operating theater because oh, they man. need to protect my tear duct uh, and make sure it doesn't scar over. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's that's less urgent than the than the ear thing, which is actually causing me severe pain and right now. So, um, I'll probably get good that. luck with that. Right. <laughs> so, so yay! But let's not talk about me <laughs> and the fact that my wife just broke her foot. Um, Eric, let's talk about you. How are you doing? Good, man. Things are back on track, which is always a nice thing. Oh, that's good. By the time this one airs, who who knows how many episodes <laughs> will, will be will be will be back? Right. But, uh, episodes <laughs> of uh, the, pod, the podcast is back. Yeah. So, ah, ah, somebody can't give me shit anymore for I mean, crap. Oops. <laughs> I broke. See, we were talking about that the other day. Right, right. But if you, if you, if, yeah, if you do it, you just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> But, That's what I always do. Yeah. And then he yells at me later. <laughs> but um so uh yeah, uh so yeah, the podcast is back and I've been seeing the uh the new comic day um comics. Yeah, but that only that only went on hiatus for like a year. We've been back for a while now. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Since what, like I'd say it's been a, at least three or four months since we've been back. I know we had a nice little hiatus for a while, but Chris, uh, Chris Rayner and Scott D. D. M. Simmons are knocking it out of the park. And next week, you might. Well, yeah, I'm saying next week as if this this will <laughs> air before. Next week, as of time of recording. <laughs> next week, as of recording, um, we celebrate our 10 year anniversary, and Ooh. you might see some very familiar. Uh, artists involved with that and by my i mean definitely you're going to see a strip that has panels by by um chad and jim gallo chad stroll jim gallo george Jamaru, and christopher rayner 
that one Scott works. wasn't involved in yet. Cause, I mean, involved in because I had to pick who was working on the strip first. So I just went with I went with Chris since he had already started developing his style around the time hmm. uh, that the strip had come back before we brought Scott back into the fold. So hmm. and you will also see a very cool uh, art print that will definitely be the co- the cover to the collection for the first 10 years which uh definitely definitely adds an upgrade to one of the more infamous uh new comic day panels and i'm talking full-on infinity gauntlet and it's it's an homage to the cover and it is beautiful and chris knocked it out of the park it's kind of crazy how awesome it looks it's my current screen background as we current foam background as we speak very cool um so since we've already been talking about cats howard's how was your cat She's good. She's being a pain in the neck. I'm sure she'll knock over uh, the microphone or something at some point. <laughs> she just, she's just sitting up staring at me because she knows I'm talking about her. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Eric, it is very cool to have you back on the show. It is always good to be here. Even though I think it was just two weeks ago I was on the show or something like that. <laughs> you know, I'm usually pretty good about remembering things like that. Right now, I am so, like turned around that i can't remember <laughs> so we were talking about the flash that's all i remember oh god you know i think that might have actually been like a month ago oh okay well like, don't worry when they're, they're finally posted they're gonna be all out of order that's, anyway. right. that's very true it's extremely true uh, well we love you nathan yeah well if anyone wants to take the editing off my plate i am open to uh to that assistance yeah that's what i thought all right so <laughs> no i was gonna cover that with you. how much do you pay <laughs> <laughs> all right um so finally uh we have the guy that you hear on more episodes than any other he used to help promote the show, but he doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he's he sometimes teased me with the idea that maybe he would help with editing, but you know, it's <laughs> I think he's just doing that to be mean and giving me hope just to snatch it away. <sighs> he also hates Pluto as my nemesis, Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? You know, all of that is 100% true. So I, I just want everyone to know that. <laughs> Wait, what's this Pluto thing? You cannot be a Sailor Moon fan anymore, Nash. Stephanie. Just revoke no, your no, license. No, Sailor Pluto. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I'm, I don't know what the Pluto thing is. Is he referring to Sailor Pluto? Or no, 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 no. It's the whole Pluto the isn't a planet. former planet. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't hate it. I'm just indifferent to it. Yeah, truth be told, Ryan supports the Pluto is not a planet because it's not. <laughs> <sighs> you you, but, you, you uh, Neil deGrasse yeah. Tyson zombies. <laughs> I mean, it's just using logic, but whatever. <laughs> oh, oh, and uh, just to throw out there to you know jump way, way, way back to uh, earlier in the introductions here um i read them year did i read them i honestly don't know if i read them or not but i know they did some novelizations that continued the conspiracy the star trek conspiracy um episode storyline did they they did oh okay 
I have read a handful of the novels, but there are, you know, something like, you know, 3,000 yeah. of them. So it's kind of impossible yeah, to read them exactly. all. Yeah, And they're hit or miss. Like, I'll, right. I'll, I'm thought I'll always remember, but I know I've read others and I'm, you know. Well, well, you know, you. anything written by Peter David is going to be gold and then everything else is kind of hit or miss. Yeah. <laughs> and I still would have liked to have seen it happen since yes. they set it up. Yeah. Take what we can get. Right. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, how have things been going for you, Ryan? Uh, decent. Um, you know, I uh, don't have any eye problems or ear problems. <laughs> That's a plus. Um, I uh, ooh ooh ooh, Lana Priya was just announced for Dragon Con, so that made Ryan happy. Oh um, yes, yes, made me happy uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> I told my friends I might have to do. We were already doing a, a photo op for David Tennant, but I was like, you know what? I'm might have to do a solo op with uh, Lana, but uh, we'll see. You, you know, um, with all the financial crap that I've been getting lately, I was just about to pull out a Dragon Con, and then that made me go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Find not sure I can yeah. pass up that opportunity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, um, hanging in there. Um, I, I won't make it. Th- things are about to change in my life, hopefully for the better. So, you know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe I can even get, I won't promise anything about editing, but maybe promoting. <laughs> I can at least get that far. <laughs> I feel like I've promoted you more than you've promoted me. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But, you know, I, and I mean, just consider that your sat my salary. <laughs> but the thing is, we're promoting a website that has no content. <laughs> <laughs> It has content. It's just not updated. It's just it's well, like all right. From... Other than the times when you've posted, like what uh, you know, uh, episodes of this that you've been on, how many real yeah. articles do you have? Maybe three. No, I mean, I, I don't. I won't not lie. Uh, Transformers: The Last Night killed my website. <laughs> As it killed so many people's hopes and dreams. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it killed it killed Michael Bay's whole involvement with the franchise. So it did some Nearly. good at least. <laughs> I, ought to, I honestly, I ought to do like a Bumblebee review. Just to, there'd be some you know symmetry in that bringing the site back with Bumblebee. <laughs> yeah. But okay, so 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 your life is going to change in some fundamental way. Yeah, I mean, time wise, you know, work wise, so mm. you know. Fingers crossed, knock on wood. So that will that should be good, all in all. Um, other than that, you know, I saw Far From Home last night. Uh, go see it. Um, but yeah, you know, life's, life's decent. I, I'm not going to complain. I don't – I won't say it's great because then life has a way of, you know, screwing you over when you when you do that. Life finds a way. Life finds a way. Yeah, see, I didn't even say anything about how life was good and bad stuff was happening, so, you know. <laughs> uh, all right, well, it's good to have you back on the show, Ryan. Good to be back. Well, everybody knows now what time it is, and that is time for our five-minute controversy. Ooh. <laughs> and for those... <laughs> For those of you who don't know, the five-minute controversy is just a way for us to loosen up before we talk about our topic, and just to give you a little insight into how we feel about something in geek culture. So, 
this one probably isn't hugely controversial, but um, I'm not seeing a whole lot of controversy right now, or at least none that I care about. Um, so my question is going to be... So uh, CBS is creating this new Picard series, and... You know, I've mentioned on the show before that, you know, the adventures of a 70-something-year-old man may not make for the best television. Um, and we've been given a teaser trailer, and I've seen a lot of comments about the teaser trailer, and I'm just kind of curious about your thoughts. Do you feel like this teaser trailer gave you a real feel for what the series is going to be about? And if so, do you think that uh, the Picard series is going to meet the fan expectations for it? So, um, let's start with you, Eric. Uh, I mean, teaser trailers are just that. They're teasers. Uh, they could have shown, like, sliding doors and people would have been hyped. <laughs> Well, the thing is, I, I, I've I literally, like, read people on Facebook saying, like, oh, my God, this series is going to be so amazing. And I'm watching that trailer going, I, I, I don't see how you get that from this. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's going to be bad. I just I just don't know how people are getting that. But what do you what? You're not excited about Picard wine connoisseur? <laughs> no, see, Nathan, what you're missing is that there's going to be something special in Picard's vineyard that his wine that he produces finally exposes that damn conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> it's their only weakness, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it was set up only 30 years ago, and finally, we're going to get it. <laughs> So apparently they also announced that Brent Spiner has been the latest name to say he's coming back. So thankfully they're ignoring that last terrible movie. Or he's going to be before. Or it's just an internet rumor, so we'll we'll see. No, because Brent, Brent himself said it. Hmm. Or maybe they just took the loophole that they set up with that. Because, oh, that's true, you know, yeah. Before has all of Data's memories. All they needed is Jordy to tinker with him and make him you know, data again. Look, the one thing that I want out of this series is for them to explain why Frenchmen in the future speak English with a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> Did England fall into the ocean and all the, uh, the, the, the people migrate to France? Is that what happened? It's the European default of the Universal Bye. Translator. <laughs> I'll accept that. <laughs> Uh, it's the Earl Grey tea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so Ryan, what did you think about the trailer? Well, um, before just point of order, uh, I, I don't know if it's officially considered canon or not, but the um, 2009 Star Trek prequel comic book had Data back. Uh, they never really explained how, but he was captain of the Enterprise of the of the Enterprise E. So, I, I don't think it's necessarily canon that comic book but um if it is then he's already been established to be back in, in that timeline so yay in um, star trek nothing is canon other than the stuff that's <laughs> on tv or movies yeah because i mean the novels that, the okay. novels contradict each other and the novels contradict like there was a whole novel about tasha yar's home planet and then we like you know a year later we actually see it on the show and it's completely different so right. none of it well, none of it's canon 
But the comic, the, the comic was a direct tie-in to the movie, leading up to the movie. So I don't know in that sense if it's applicable or not. But yeah, uh, it, among other things, it explained how um, uh, Nero's ship became so you know badass powerful. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but as to Picard itself, uh, I am. I think there's a huge nostalgia factor at play here, uh, and I, which I think will tune in a lot of people. I am worried that it is going to be, oh, every week, here's Jordy, here's Data, here's Riker, you know, one well, week after that's the, the thing. Even Patrick Stewart has said, and people involved with the show have said, this is not going to be like Next Generation Season 8, you know, which yeah. is what I think a lot of people think that it's going to be. And so, I do have to interject though and say Next Generation Season 8 is a hilarious Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, somebody was telling me about that recently. Might have been you. I, 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 but I've heard of that recently. Uh, note to self, follow Next Generation Season 8. Okay. <laughs> they um, haven't updated in quite some while, but you'll have to go back through the backlogs and oh my gosh, I laugh my ass off while going through that Twitter account. But yeah, I mean, I'll check it out. I, it's, I suspect it'll be more cerebral but i mean this is what cbs all access is going for to have different flavors of trek out there they're gonna have discovery they're gonna have you know the section 34 uh and then 34? they're gonna have picard 30 32 31. 31 uh you know i get my numbers <laughs> confused <laughs> what podcast out, are you I on it's not right but you know <laughs> but yeah well so, see you that's that's like a yeah, exactly. You got thir- just imagine how terrible Section Thirty Four is. You know, she's <laughs> <laughs> how bad Thirty One is, and then Thirty Two and Thirty Three. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but um, so I don't know. I mean, I, we'll give it a try. I honestly, I do expect good things of it. It's got. I don't. I don't think Patrick Stewart would do it unless he was confident in it. Mm. No, I mean, I, well, he did TNG, and he wasn't confident in that at first, at least. Yeah. yeah. See, this is well, the that's thing. because they made him too bad. I'm not gonna comment on the show itself. I'm just saying I didn't get anything out oh. of that trailer. You know, I, I I don't see how anyone can use that trailer as a basis for establishing a certainty about the quality of the show. The only thing I got out of the trailer was it seems to be establishing the two parts of the 2009 uh, movie in the Prime Trek uh, continuity. I mean, they say something about how he led the greatest evacuation in history. And I'm going to assume that's going to be of Romulus um, right before, you know, the, the star went Nova, supernova. So that's about all I got out of it. That's interesting that you assume that because I don't think they're going to go there at all. But It is a blatant assumption, yes, but it's, it's best guess right now. Okay. Okay. Um... And Stephanie, what did you think about the trailer? Wine. (laughs) (laughs) With an H or... (laughs) That's the beauty of it. It's both. (laughs) I mean, I was excited just because they released something and then I watched it and I'm like, that was nothing. Okay. I guess I'll wait a while longer. Right. He, he he set up his vineyard in a uh, Federation symbol pattern. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. He's very I'm loyal. with you, Nathan. I didn't really have any 
strong inkling I, I know, of anything. The, the, my only objection was to the people losing their minds over it because I was just like, I, I mean, I get it. It's a teaser and teasers usually don't have a whole lot. But to be like, oh, my God, this is going to be so great. The best thing ever. And I'm seeing all these comments and I'm just like, there's nothing in that to, to give you anything to go on. I mean, when it was first published, I probably shared it on Facebook. Like, oh my god, yay! But really, it was nothing. <laughs> but then on the other hand, I saw people going, the fact that he has his vineyard laid out like that shows me that this show is going to be stupid and I'm not going to watch it. And I'm like, oh my god! Like, the, like, sometimes commercials, you know, show things that are symbolic rather than, like, the actual, like, thing that's going to be on the show. You know, I don't... I don't know. I just thought there were a lot of extreme reactions over a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> the internet be extreme reactions over nothing? No. <laughs> Never. What were you talking about? The Little Mermaid casting, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally like three hours old. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, see, a lot of times, though, the reason I don't get like upset about casting is because I don't even know the person that they cast. So I'm like, I have no opinion about this at all. Um, I don't know she was either but they showed a photo and that was enough for my for my reply to someone else to get me blocked so i was like okay <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah that's the internet yep. <laughs> yeah but yeah yeah so it's rare that i get like a robert pattinson as batman reaction because that at least i had some basis for but <laughs> I don't. I mean, you know, I here, honestly my thing on casting, and we're so off subject here. But my thing about That's casting, okay, Eric, it, Eric wandered off, so we can oh. we can go here. I'm back. Oh, He's okay. Back. No, but I, real quick, finish my thought. Then my thing about casting just goes back to when they cast the guy from the musical Oklahoma as Wolverine, and I hated that <laughs> idea. <laughs> so since then, I don't judge casting anymore. So well, yeah, with I the mean... exception of um. Uh, what's his name as Gambit? That was going to be terrible. Channing Tatum. I don't judge casting anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it go, I mean, even Mr. Mom is Batman, and you know, yeah, there's always yeah. been those things. And no, and that's what I've been saying. It's like I understand people who are upset about the Robert Pattinson thing, but I, I get for the same reason as all that. I've basically been like. I'm more concerned with his looks rather than his ability as an actor because I'm pretty sure that he could pull it off. And, you know, seeing Christian Bale and how his body has, you know, he's been able to, like, either bulk up or slim down as needed for roles, you know, looks aren't so important either. So, well, we'll see. But, um, all right. So, yeah, like I thought. This probably wasn't too much of a controversy, but because I've seen people lose their minds over it, I was just kind of curious what you guys all thought about it. And hey, sort we still managed to talk about it for like 10 minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Even the easy five-minute controversies never last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, uh, let's pause here for a promo from another fine podcast. Helm report. Sir, there's Klingons in the starboard bow. Starboard bow? Starboard bow! What are they doing there? They seem to be waiting for the new episode of Earth Station Trek. Science, what do we know about this Earth Station Trek? It's a podcast that tracks through the history of Star Trek, from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. Navigation, how would one find such a podcast? By setting coordinates for EarthStationTrek.com or by doing a sensor sweep of Spotify, iTunes, or any other quadrant where fine podcasts are available. Captain, what are we going to do about the Klingons? We come in peace, Commander. Weapon station, shoot to kill. Shoot, shoot to, to kill. kill! Shoot to kill! 
weekend. Uh, like we talked about at the top of the show, we're going to talk about season two of The Orville. And, um, you know, we talked last year about The Orville, about how it was kind of a surprise to us because the show really wasn't what was presented um, with a lot of the promotional material. It turned out to be a lot deeper um, than they than they showed us. <clears throat> It seemed like it was going to be a much more uh, comedy-driven, uh, very crass kind of show. And while it has some elements of that, um, that isn't really sort of the central thrust of it. Uh, but Stephanie, since you weren't with us for that first uh, podcast about the Orville, why don't you just give your overall thoughts about season one before we start talking about season two? Um, I really, truly enjoyed it. Um, I loved the crass humor being inserted everywhere here and there for the sheer fact that it's kind of refreshing that in this take of the future of humanity, we're still making dick jokes because you look at the ancient ruins of Pompeii and there are dick jokes carved on or painted on the walls or whatever. So it just kind of shows that humans are humans no matter what what era we're in. And I appreciate that they did kind of keep some of that in there while still holding true to the same type of um, of utopia type future that we saw in Star Trek, which you know this is truly an homage to. Right. Um, so I felt it was, I mean, obviously anyone who has heard any of the Star Trek podcasts know I love Star Trek from the bottom of my heart. But it's not entirely a, a, a realistic portrayal of humanity a lot of times. Um, it's a very idealized portrayal. And I, I like the fact that the Orville manages to keep that more realistic aspect of what a human is without turning it all dark and gritty. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, the uh, it's funny because I'm watching the Blu-ray extras for The Next Generation and they had one with the uh, the writers that basically were the, the head writers from season four on and they talked about how Gene Roddenberry hamstrung things so much with just his constant insistence that there was no conflict between people in the 24th century. Like, humanity had just gotten rid of conflict entirely. And mm-hmm. they're like, even in the original series, there was conflict, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah. You know. And I mean, it yeah. did get better as time went on after Roddenberry died. I feel terrible saying that. But anyways, <laughs> um, they still did keep that, like, really o- almost unbelievably good portrayal of humans. Um, and you can still be good while having kind of a crass, not perfect, juvenile sense to you. Right. And that was a, a thing that I think there were a few times where Star Trek got real close and then they just they couldn't bite the bullet and go for it. And um, <laughs> the Orville managed to keep that same type of feeling that you get from the more classic Star Trek series um, while presenting the type of more realistic humanity that you usually see in the darker gritty shows without having that dark gritty future. Yeah. No. And and the funny thing is it's a real contrast. This is what we brought in the last one. We talked about this to discovery, but you can see how they both come from Star Trek. 
Um, yeah. You know, whereas Discovery is doubling down a lot more on the, you know, very hard plot driven going into those darker areas kind of show. And then we've got the Orville as sort of the bright, shiny you know, uh, sort of happier, a little funnier, you know, take on things. And so it's kind of cool that, you know, in this, this time period, we can have these, like, basically two flavors of Star Trek. Because, I'm sorry, Paramount, <laughs> even though you don't want it to be, Orville is, 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 is Star Trek. <laughs> it is. And I love both the Orville and I love Discovery. And I am mm. so, I was thrilled when both of them got announced for a second season. I enjoyed the second season of both se- uh, series and I am thrilled that they're both getting a third. And I'm even more thrilled that they run more or less simultaneously because I'm getting the entire fill of space travel sci-fi that I grew up loving and have been missing so bad in like the last decade or so because the early 2000s it just kind of tapered off and we didn't have good space sci-fi we had just sci-fi that you know kind of just stuck on earth in weird dystopias or things like that do do you know where my mind went though when you said that Trek sometimes got close to where the Orville was (laughs) um I, I'm sure the second you say it, I'm going to be like, oh, my God. But <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of uh, Janeway and her Harlequin romance uh, oh, character God. that she fell in love with. <laughs> Except they Honestly, didn't play it for laughs. It would yeah, have been so much better if they played it for laughs. It would have. Honestly, when I made that statement, a lot of my mind was going to Voyager. <laughs> yeah. And it was just kind of funny because as I was making that statement and thinking kind of a Voyager, I heard Neelix hiss behind me at the other cat. <laughs> By the way, I really wanted to name the other cat Tuvok, but Tim vetoed it, saying that the cat was too clumsy to be named after a Vulcan. But I thought mm. it would have been hilarious to have two cats named Neelix and Tuvok. Mm. Until yeah. there's an, a transporter accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's not start on that episode. Well, all right. So here's the thing that's absolutely crazy. Stephanie, how much does it blow your mind that Brandon Braga is involved with this series and it does not suck? I don't know who that is. Oh, I'm oh. terrible with names. He's the guy that's responsible for all the worst aspects of later next gen and Voyager. Really? Yeah, like well, the episode. Do you Berman. remember the episode? Do you remember the episode where uh, they go to warp ten in Voyager and Janeway and um, Paris turn into like weird slug things? You mean the episode that Star Trek themselves actually declared as not canon? <laughs> yeah, it's a Braga episode. Oh my god, he's yeah. involved in this. <laughs> yeah, he's like the worst writer that Star Trek's ever had. Yet they let him write like so many episodes. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I guess he works better with McFarlane's vision of the future. Uh, apparently, and that's the thing that's blown my mind is that I mean, Braga's involved with this, and it does not suck. <laughs> he he actually, this is the funny part. On the Voyager DVD, he actually apologized for that episode, like one of the extras. <laughs> He's actually said, "I I realize this is the worst episode of Star Trek ever, and I apologize for writing it." <laughs> Yeah, I read on the IMDb that somewhere, somehow, they decanonized it, and it was probably related to that statement. <laughs> but anyway. All right, so so let's move on to season two of The Orville. And, you know, one of the things that kind of surprised me, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say it surprised me, but 
just because of how the series was originally pitched, I kept expecting it to go back more towards the, you know, comedy. I feel like this season they've gone even more serious. And I'm just kind of curious. So, uh, Ryan, did you get that same vibe that they're going more into hard-hitting sci-fi and even toning down the comedy elements even further? That's an interesting question. Um, I think they they were trying to find a, a groove uh, where mm-hmm. they'd cycle back and forth because you'd have a serious episode or two, and then you would have something – lighter fare basically throughout uh, this entire season um with the high points definitely being the more serious stuff um but yeah i mean i think the comedy maybe got less slapstick now that it ever really was slapstick to begin with but um like it, it just got less uh it less, less family yeah yeah yeah, got, yeah 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 less family mm-hmm. guy that's the yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, yeah, but and, you know, that's how it works i mean the first season of any show is kind of the awkward season it hasn't really found mm-hmm. itself so you know i know but i'm just kind of like surprised that mcfarlane you know and i maybe i shouldn't be but he obviously cares about this series so much that he's toning down his natural tendencies well um, to you to... know what it, it might very well be that they knew Going into the first season, this was going to either be loved because it was Star Trek or because it was making fun of Star Trek. Mm. And when they found out that, hey, people love it because it is Star Trek, they decided to play that up. I mean, I'll bet Seth MacFarlane That's probably – Yeah, he was probably betting it even wouldn't get a season two. Mm. Uh, you know? <laughs> uh, so if the very fact that it's still going might have been the biggest shock to him uh, more than anyone else. Yeah. Nope. So, uh, uh, Eric, so what do you, what is your take on that? Did you feel like the show was getting more towards the hard hitting sci-fi phase in the season? Well, I guess, I guess like, like last episode, cause now I'm having a moment of deja vu. I guess I'm, I'm the one paying attention to McFarlane's work as a whole in all these interviews. The, the thing in relation to your first point is the fact that in, in, interviews going into season two McFarlane stated that he wanted the series to have more of a mash feel than say like a family guy feel where they do have the jokes but then they can go into the serious stuff like like it was nothing and you know not have to worry about like not having to worry about it being jarring because like I mean he was the one to bring up MASH, which is the perfect example of it, because you could have the war moments where you have a certain character who loves cross-dressing, and the next thing you know, they have someone, whether it be the prisoner of war stuff, or someone gets seriously injured, and Hawkeye has to operate on that person that he's known for God knows how many years. We, we saw that specifically in this season, which I'm sure we'll get into later, is we saw the serious the serious things tackled when we all thought they'd be played for for laughs mainly anything involving gordon um (laughs) but not only that but i think mcfarland's workload in general where it feels like obviously shows like family guy for the first couple seasons he was heavily working on it where nowadays he comes in and records a voice and then goes back to working on something like the orville which is something that he's wanted to do for god knows how many years at this point and i think that was half of half of him working with fox for as long as he has is he wanted to create something like this 
but obviously wanted to give Fox a body of work to kind of prove himself and get to that point where they could be, where they could flat out go, okay, here you go, do what you want, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then have it pay off heavily. Yeah. It's funny to me that you say that everything with Gordon is played for laughs, because I think this season well, that wasn't true at all, well, no, uh, that's but we'll get to that. Say. I was using Gordon as the example. I don't think it was played for laughs. I think the audience assumed, because of the first season, that it would be played for for laughs, even though mm. Gordon is involved in pretty much two of my favorite episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, in fact, I think that they gave him a lot of meaty fare to work with this season, um, but but we'll get to that. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so, Stephanie, yeah, what, what do you think about the tone of this season overall? Well, I am uh, actually in an Orville Facebook group, and this okay. this particular question just made me think of how you can very clearly see in that group who the fans were of sci-fi and who the fans were of Seth MacFarlane. Um, mm. Because as this season went on, I, I I came so close to leaving the group numerous times because of how many people were like, where'd all the funny stuff go? Why is this show getting so serious? Mm. Blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> it's just funny because then you'd see all the people who were in there for like, this was a show that they weren't expecting to like because of Seth MacFarlane's base work who ended up realizing it was a great sci-fi show who were all like what are you talking about the show's picking up it's getting better um and uh so i there was definitely a noticeable difference in the way they treated comedy and Mm. i hadn't seen that interview where he compared it to going for a mash feel but that is a brilliant uh, comparison here and it I, I think he's achieving that perfectly um, as soon as you said MASH I'm like oh my gosh that is exactly the type of humor that it shifted to in season 2 versus 1 where it was a little bit more uh, a, a little bit more in his roots of the types of shows that we're used to f- coming from Seth but still managing to appeal to the larger base uh well actually this is probably the smaller audience of the true sci-fi fans but um i think they're still managing to keep that nice balance though where they are keeping a broad spectrum of fans involved yeah i mean there's no way that you could ever pass off one of these episodes as an actual next generation episode because there are things in them that would never have gone on next gen but they tend to be smaller elements and and honestly i mean it's kind of to ryan's point about dialing in on a show the more seasons you do i feel like it's made the show stronger overall the comedy is more spread out whereas last season i felt like it was like now we have a serious episode now we have a comedy episode you know it was it was a little more uh you know uh highs and lows right um so, so yeah, I think that this season they, they're they're really kind of honing in on a, a particular vibe and going for it, and I think that it's made it um, overall a fantastic season. Um. So, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I was just thinking about one of the questions I wanted to ask. Uh, how many of you are aware that, um, oh crap, what's Gordon's real name? I'm aware. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> oh. Eric, Eric, do you know I, Gordon's real name? Not only not only do I know his real name, but I know where you're going with this. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, um, uh, Gordon, 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 uh, Scott Grimes. Yeah. Because Eric told me he was aware, but wouldn't tell me his name. Oh, sorry. Um, thought, so, thought... yeah, Scott Grimes. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so do you guys all know that Scott Grimes and Adrian Palicki yes. got married? Mm-hmm. Yep. Just proving that a sense okay. of humor is the most important thing. <laughs> <laughs> Did that mess with anyone else's head while they were watching this season? I don't no. think I even realized they got married until after the season ended, but... Well, no, no, they, they got married after the season, but they were dating and posting stuff online about dating during, like, before yeah, the season Yeah, I had no aired, idea. So. I, I don't tend to follow that oh, type of stuff. Okay. That's why I'm so terrible with actors' names or writers' names whenever you mention them to mm. me. Unless they're, like, the main character, <laughs> I'm usually like, who is that? <laughs> I'm I'm on the uh, I'm on the Orville subreddit, so I see all the I see all the cool behind the scenes mm. stuff all the time. Yeah, I mean it was posted on Facebook, and and you know that's where I saw that they were where they were engaged. I think it was their engagement is what I saw, and so all through this season, I'm like Ed's gonna kill him. Ed's gonna kill him. <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised that I didn't see this in that uh, Orville fan group. I was complaining about earlier <laughs> well i mean if that yeah i mean look i mean seth mcfarlane is living the dream right he's writing a role where he gets to kiss adrian palicchio okay so well, you know. i think i think you and i talked about this when when it was one of the gordon uh focused uh one of the gordon focused episodes is the fact that you know for a fact like this i don't i don't think this is me like guessing at an episode at all you know for a fact knowing mcfarland's sense of humor and how much he likes to torture his friends there is there's a triples episode coming for scott and it's because of the critters franchise because scott is in the first two critters films there's going to be a dribbles inspired episode just to torture scott guaranteed Speaking of things Scott was in, he was also in an episode of Next Generation. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Oh, was he? Which he guest starred uh, as one of uh, Wesley's friends. Yep. You know, you know when Wesley get, oh. when they get injured oh. in the hologram in the hollow uh, hollow deck. No, one got of his friends. One of his friends does. It's okay. it's like season three, that. right, Ryan? It's early. Yeah, it's like season two or three, and and they go to the holodeck to hang out with these with these girls, and that's and and the guy that that gets the girls to hang out with them is is Scott. Yeah, yeah basically he's trying to hook Wesley up. He's got two girls, and he's trying to get Wesley to come to a ski chalet in the holodeck. Uh, with him and Wesley's like no I gotta go study or, or something like that I, oh, a very Wesley thing and you know then, then I think one of the girls breaks their leg skiing yeah cause the holodeck goes haywire yeah cause that never happens cause I just watched the first three seasons over the last few months and I, I did not see this at all maybe it's <laughs> and I don't remember go this cause it's, it's the holodeck you can't get injured unless you know whatever it's a MacGuffin for the for the episode so unless getting injured in the holodeck was the MacGuffin that episode <laughs> but I mean yeah just look yeah. To, go to YouTube and do Scott Grimes Next Generation it'll pop up I seem to okay. recall that it was actually a cut scene that's the- oh maybe oh, that's yeah. it then well not, no, no oh okay that would be why I did not see it there's like four minutes of it that are a cut scene. I think Scott is in the episode, but it's an episode where Wesley's like trying to focus hard on studying and it affects 
it affects the larger plot of the episode because because it's it's one of those episodes where something goes wrong with the with the holodeck and that that whole part is cut is the fact that like when the holodeck when something goes wrong with the holodeck his his friends were the ones that suffered because of it but that that whole part was cut out of it i'd have to look it's either i'm pretty sure it's either season two or three because there was like i said that subreddit that that i'm on that orville subreddit had had like a whole thing where they had to delete a whole bunch of threads because people literally kept bringing up the clip (laughs) oh god um but uh but yeah so let's talk um about a a change that happened Ah. this season so we had alara who um, was our security chief uh, all through last season and uh, the beginning of this season. And surprisingly, uh, I I mean, I didn't read or hear anything about it until they actually did the episode where she left. Um, She was gone. Um, So thoughts about that. Um, Eric, um, what did you think about them uh, getting rid of Alara and replacing her with Tala? You, You know how much I loved Alara. (laughs) <laughs> that being said, yeah. I love Tal. She's dazzling. I love her so much, though. I <laughs> Wait, love was she those... Dazzler? Yeah. Oh, was she? Alara, yeah. Yeah, she I was Dazzler in uh, Dark awesome. Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> it, took, it took a couple episodes, but but by especially by the end of the season, I I freaking love Tala so much. She's she's an she's an awesome character. I would not call her a replacement because I think they could they could bring Alara back into the fold if they need to, but Tala is Tala is fantastic. She's very much a different a different um, character, so it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a straight up replacement. It feels like they've just added someone new to the crew, who, like I said, it just takes her a couple episodes, but then the next thing you know, oh, I love this girl. She's awesome. She's bad. At, she's 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 awesome. <laughs> I feel like. I felt like it was awkward that they made Tala of the exact same race. And it was like, oh, these people, they, you know, aren't militaristic. And it was weird that, you know, it was unique that Alara was, you know, a security chief and a member of that race. And it's like, oh, but by the way, as soon as Alara leaves, we find another one. And that, to me, was kind of problematic. But no, as far as the character goes, you know, the first episode with Tala, I didn't really care for her much. I think she was still trying to figure out her character because she just seemed, like, really angry all the time. But then after that, I think she kind of settled into her role, and I like her a lot better now. But the part that annoyed me was that they gave us the best Alara episode to date, and then she leaves. So I will will say what what annoys me about their replacement is they pull the bait and switch twice. Because they pull the bait and switch Mm. the first time with Patrick Warburton's awesome cameo appearance. Which, by the way, is there's another character other than Patrick... I mean, another actor other than Patrick Warburton that, that... guest star that uh, probably was my favorite side character so far, but I'm sure we'll get to that later. But then after the Patrick Warburton thing, or it might have been before, because it's obviously for only one episode, but they're like, oh yeah, we're adding this new cast member, and it's like, we all know who it is. <laughs> Everybody was literally calling it before the episode aired, even as the as the teaser came out, and it's like, we all know she's uh, she's the Krill from last season. We all knew it. 
but they still went, oh, here's this new character. She's totally going to be around for a while at the very start of the season when they when they tease the season. And then it's like, no, she's not. We all know exactly who that is. Come on, who are you kidding? And then they finally bring Tala on, and we're all like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I actually had no idea yeah. she was oh, I <laughs> But then again, I don't pay attention to cast well, no, lists. It wasn't so much a yeah. cast list. You could, uh, or at least... I called it from that from that teaser trailer. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch that. Okay. So I mean, I yeah, I was I actually thought that was really well done because of how surprised I was because I was like, oh, they're setting up Ed with the girl because you know, uh, um, um, crap. Why am I forgetting everybody's name? Uh, Kelly uh, got a boyfriend, so they're both going to be dating other people so they can keep up this whole tension thing between them, and then it's like, oh, no, that's not where they're going with this episode at all. That was, you know, kind of uh, a red herring, and instead it's a follow-up to that episode. Now, so. I, and my wife noted that it was the same actress, but we just both kind of wrote it off as, uh, well, Star Trek, it, it, these shows do that. They recycle. Yeah. Whenever, yeah, whenever mm. someone's an alien, they can be, and it, look at Jeffrey e. Combs. I mean, yep. <laughs> or, 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 or David yeah. Warner. <laughs> <laughs> a Klingon, a Cardassian. Or everybody's, or everybody's favorite uh, bartender of this season. <laughs> That's yeah. who I was alluding to. Oh, all right, well, we're not talking about Star Trek, so let's get back to the Orville. Again, I'm just throwing out internet rumors, and it's probably been debunked or whatever. But you talk about, you know, Seth MacFarlane um, gets lucky to kiss you know, Adrian Palacki. Uh, the rumor that I read was that he was dating uh, Halston Sage, um, the actress mm-hmm. who played Alara. And I don't know if that's why she left the show. Yeah, I know it can't certainly can't be good to go do Dazzler. Uh, <laughs> unless a lot was wow. cut from that movie, you know. Well, true. No, that's true. I, I assume a lot was cut from that movie because of how many reshoots they did. But you know, but so, I don't know. I mean, the rumor was that they were they were like caught at restaurants together a few times or something like that. So maybe there was some bad blood mm. there. Pure. Yeah, I don't want to engage too much in that speculation though. But how did you feel about Alara leaving the show? I hated it. <laughs> I mean, she was uh, probably through season one. She was probably my fav- favorite character. Um, oh, okay. yeah. So you know, uh, it, it was it was rough, and 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 it made me. Yes, I was kind of in the same boat where I was resentful of her replacement, and, but she grew on me. But um, I, really, the thing about Alara that was the most annoying was when they brought her back for the last episode, and it's like here she is for thirty seconds. And then she's gone. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. Well, but I mean, it would have been kind of hard to, like, make give her a pivotal role, you know, because, I mean, of how, how much is going on. They could have still done more than that, I feel. Yeah, but. Sure. No, I agree. Well, maybe they only had her for, like, a day, and so it was just like, maybe, you know. Maybe, maybe. In which case, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it just kind of turned more into a cameo then or mm-hmm. something like that, you know. But, uh, yeah, I just, I felt like the character was finally finding her stride. Um, and that they, they could have gone a lot more places with her. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and like, you know, my wife said, like, she's like, I, I love this character now, and then they take her away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, Stephanie, what do you think about Alara leaving? Well, I had kind of a love-hate relationship with Alara. I thought she was kind of cute um, and quirky and fun, but she also was just, she was too quirky and fun yeah. and young to be the security chief and just 
nothing that was the thing that seemed the most off is it's like she's like the equivalent of like an 18 year old but yet she's the security chief for a yeah. starship that i mean little, if she was yeah. just one of the security officers that would have been different but she was the chief of security and she just was too inexperienced and um i mean yeah you got to give somebody a chance to start somewhere but you know it 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 was just she was too juvenile for the role um, mm-hmm. I, I I agree with that, but if I if I was to rebut it, I would just point out, look at who the captain is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly unqualified. Hey, hey, they made Lamar the chief engineer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look who their pilot is. The guy who the guy who's piloting, you know, a, a probably a multi trillion dollar vessel, you know. But I mean, see the thing is, is that even though those guys are all a little um flighty and juvenile, they at least had the confidence and she was I mean this is totally the way she was written but she didn't have the confidence to really make me overlook that um, and I mean they very easily could have turned that into a plot twist where she is just developing that confidence and um, like I said I didn't dislike her but I feel like uh, Tala it's not the name of the replacement character Yeah, Tala. Yeah. whenever I'm talking about the two of them their names are so close I feel like I'm confusing them um I feel like Tala already has that confidence to um, feel more appropriate in the role. Uh, yeah. Everything I, well, is I mean, a yeah, learning she... experience for her, um, and she just feels more assertive and more believable as the chief. Um, I think Alara could have definitely gotten to that point, and I would not have been disappointed if they kept her, but I am happy that we got the more, um, a little bit more of a developed in their own self character sooner rather mature. than later. Yeah, I mean, I got to Tall say, is a lot more mature. Yeah, I mean, if, if I was under their command, I would be, uh, sad but true, I would be a lot more willing to put my life on the line for Tala w- through her commands than I would be on Laura. I'd, there might be yeah. some second guessing going on in the back of my head. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. I know for 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 Tala, it is because she she's written and appears closer to Kelly's age than than anything else. Um, versus Alara, who you know, in probably in probably one of the strongest episodes of the season, we see why Alara is kind of the way she is when we meet her family and just. I mean, especially by the end of the episode, Robert Picardo, best dad ever. But um, <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, you're just kind of like, wow, you're kind of a jerk, huh? <laughs> Please state the nature of the family emergency. <laughs> I, I just love that that was like the battle of the doctors there. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So good. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, that was, a, yeah, that's great for the cameos. Um, and also, though, I think that it was a really great episode because, you know, it not only gave, um, you know, Alara a lot of good backstory and a lot of, you know, explanation for her character and things like that, but it was another one of those ways that the Orville is really fun because, you know, unlike Star Trek where these people are, like, ideals or paragons, where it's like, you you watch these people in Next Generation, you're like, I could never be them. They could be something I could aspire to be, but I would never be them. But I think what the Orville does so well is they do these sci-fi stories but then they also make the people, the characters, very human. 
you know, and, and, and so, you know, Alara's family seems like a real family, you know, and with the kinds of struggles that they have. So, yeah, there's some sci-fi, you know, it's a high-gravity planet and all that wackiness, you know, and her problem is that she's become weak from going out into space and all that, but, you know, the family itself feels real, well, and and that's what I really liked about it. And I think it. they did a great job with her send-off episode, too, in in establishing what I was saying, that, yeah, she's kind of immature now, but had they kept her around, she definitely could have evolved and grown without any issue. Well, and that's why I felt like that episode was like too, you know, too late, right? You know, like that episode should have been in the first season. Yeah. Because if they had done that, they could have springboarded off that episode and given Alara a lot of great development. And it felt like you gave Alara like the best development episode at the end. Right. <laughs> But they also <laughs> did set really it up in a way where she could potentially come back, maybe not right. as a regular, but as a recurring or even just a guest star now and then. Hey, Nathan, you might know this watching the commentaries and everything. Weren't um, weren't there a couple of episodes from season one of Orville that were bumped back to season two? Just one. Uh, one of them was. It was the one that aired as the second episode. Oh, of this okay. Season. So it wasn't the alarm. The one with, um, yeah, it was the one with, um, yeah, the 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 porn episode. Ah, okay. Yeah. So um, we got Tala in uh, this season, and the thing that I appreciated about Tala once she had settled into the role is for. Um, an older woman, you know, head of security, it could have been very easy to go into the, she is just this really, you know, angry, intimidating person. You know, a lot of shows go that way. One of the things that I really liked about Tala is that they had a character who was, you know, feminine while also being tough and someone who would stand her ground and everything else. I don't know if anyone else got that vibe from her. You know, we got an episode like the one with the uh, with the Mocklin who, you know, likes girls and stuff like that where, you know, Tala, you know, has, you know, a lot of, you know, um, you know, nuance to her where she, you know, she can have those kinds of relationships and stuff. And I just, I just appreciated that because I think a lot of times, you know, sci-fi or, you know, goes that route of if we're going to have a strong female character that needs, she needs to be written as if she's a man. Like Tasha, you know, and then, right, right. But then is, is, you know, cast as a woman, but is written as a man. And I felt like they weren't doing that with Tal. I mean, they did, they didn't do that with Alara either, but Alara was also partially a joke at first, I think. Cause it's like, let's have this cute pixie, you know, little girl who's super tough, Yeah. you know, and, and, you know, Tala, I think is a much more serious take. Tala reminds um, me a lot of Sailor Jupiter, actually. Hmm. No, I, I would go with that. Okay. So did anyone else though? I felt like there was like real chemistry between Tala and Dr. Finn. And for a minute, I thought they might have pursued a relationship or some sort of connection between the two of them. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah I didn't get this that. This is quite literally all. the first time I've heard anybody even suggest <laughs> that. Yeah. Same here. Uh, and, really? and, and I have to repeat, I was the guy on the Reddit 
so I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would have seen somebody suggest that, and nobody ever suggested that. Well, it's kind of funny that you mentioned those two because of the of the humanoid characters. We already talked about how most of them aren't qualified. Those are probably the only two characters on the show who are actually qualified so that's why they, for the positions that they hold on the show. That's why they gravitate to each other. You know? I mean, I would not object to it, especially since everything with Isaac blew up. So we brought up Isaac. Am I the only one who thought that when they went into the what do they call it the simulator their holodeck knockoff basically uh that it she when he when he became like human in the simulator that it should have been avery brooks <laughs> that would have been probably they you can't get avery brooks you know unless, unless... <laughs> that would have been hilarious yeah. but <laughs> Because, I mean, it's yeah. Penny Johnson, right? That would have been absolutely hilarious. I mean, yeah, it would have been, it would have been funny, but I... I... <laughs> no, I know, yeah. but the, the Isaac actor, you know, they he wanted to get seen. So well, it wasn't, it wasn't it, even but, that he wanted, you know, I... he wanted the scene. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but McFarlane pretty much went, oh, yeah, you're... you're your actual face is going to be showing up on the uh, on camera this year, and he just because he did an AMA on the uh, Reddit, and uh, he goes, "Wait, really?" <laughs> maybe maybe they can get Avery Brooks to be uh, the boy's father. That would be funny too. <laughs> that would be beautiful. Yes, yes. Although, from what I understand, he's become yeah. something of a recluse and like doesn't do like yeah, yeah. Like apparently, it was like a big deal when William Shatner got him to sit down mm-hmm. and do that Captain's series with him. Um, but even then, I don't know if anyone's seen that. But like, you know, William he Shatner... just seemed high the whole time. <laughs> Right, yeah. William Shatner interviews all the captains of all the Star Trek shows, and yeah, yeah Avery, like he, Avery Brooks makes no sense. <laughs> Everyone else has like intelligent conversations, and like Avery Brooks just like is like babbling. It would have been <laughs> so, actually really funny to hear Isaac's voice coming out of Avery Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But, uh, all right, since we've already gone there, let's talk about uh, Dr. Finn and Isaac. So, it is recorded for all time and for all posterity that I said in the first season that I suspected that Isaac was a traitor and that there was going to be this whole, you know, thing where his race tries to, you know, he's supposed to be like an infiltrator, basically, like, assessing the uh You're saying the that like it was obvious. And I was totally vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, wasn't on that up. podcast, so <laughs> did I disagree with you? No, then that means I. <laughs> no, 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 nobody else. No, no nobody agreed or disagreed. So. The suggestion, I went. Oh yeah, that would be that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, that was a whole discussion. Yeah, I, I mean, I started feeling like as the show was going on, though, that I'm like, maybe I'm wrong about. It. I was like, I think that's the obvious way to go, but. You know, it seems like they're not going that way. And I was starting to lose, you know, hope. But then they went there. So it was kind of a weird up and down because they go from, um, you know, him and Dr. Finn having a relationship to um, their sort of best of both worlds knockoff. <laughs> so, <laughs> which isn't doing it justice to say that. But I think everyone who I saw comment about it on Facebook brought up best of both worlds. So I don't think it's an unfair comparison either. So, um, so, uh, Stephanie, let's start with you on that. Um, what did you think of Isaac's arc? 
this season. It was pretty predictable. Um, that was a conversation that Tim and I had at the end of last season. We were expecting it to happen last season. Um, right. I expected it to actually happen that last episode when he stays on the planet that goes out of phase and he was going to be there for like 100 years. Right. I thought that it was going to jump back to this world and he would have conquered that planet. And it was going to be like, you know, now we're going to go forth and conquer the galaxy. Right. Or something. We were expecting but, uh, that yeah. to be what the season finale was for last season was the, the Kalons mm-hmm. taking over and Isaac turning on everybody and blah, blah, blah. So we th- that was <laughs> instead he just turned on Dr. Finn. <laughs> <laughs> um anyways I am twelve. It took me a second. <laughs> <laughs> well she says he's gonna go around turning on everybody, so you know. <laughs> that wasn't how I meant that phrase. <laughs> like data, he is fully functional. Oh jeez. Poor data. Um anyway. <laughs> It makes you wonder what Dr. Soon thought he was for. <laughs> That's I, oh, gosh. When I rewatched that episode, I was just like, I don't think I ever thought about that quite as much when I was a kid or even a teenager. But now as a 30 something, I'm like, Dr. Soon. Oh, I definitely thought about it as a teenager. But anyway. Anyways, back to Isaac. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was definitely something that, like you, I totally expected to happen last season. Um, and I also was like a little thrown off with how they were doing it this season. Like, oh, maybe they actually aren't going that route. Maybe the Kalon aren't actually bad. Oh, wait, look, there's all the skeletons. Literally, (laughs) just literal skeletons hiding out beneath the city instead of in the closet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Once Isaac got turned off, I was pretty sure that that was what where we were going. Like he had become too human, so they had deactivated mm-hmm. him. And when they go to the Kalon world, I'm like, yeah, this is where it's gonna all go bad. So I felt like they were kind of shifting it back in that one. But yeah, up until that point, I was starting to, you know, think that maybe they weren't gonna go. But that obviously, way. they went the way that they did with Doctor Finn and the kids to have a reason that Isaac would basically go against his own people. Was he did start to become more human thanks to Finn and her kids. Yeah, I, d- I mean, uh, no, I'll bring this up after. Um, so, Eric, what did you think about Isaac's arc? I mean, and it it actually relates directly into it, but I have, I have, but I thought you were gonna start you know start the show by asking us what we thought as the season as a whole so i do have to i do have to sneak Mm. this in there because it ties directly into isaac if you told me about 65 percent of the uh of the season was going to be bottle slash you know on on the ship kind of episodes just for that space battle alone i'm all for it (laughs) i'm all for every season if they want to do it that way but um, (laughs) no isaac that was pretty well done it's, it's I, I will fight anybody. It's easily the best space battle I've ever seen on a television science fiction show ever. Oh, uh, yeah. I was on the edge of my seat with that, too. It was incredible. But no, if you told me one of the focal points of the season was going to be the the robotic character having to not only come to terms with humanity as a whole, but trying to understand humanity in the way that he did... And in the way his relationship with Dr. Finn kind of evolved, especially for the holodeck scenes, it's that's that's one of the best scenes of the whole series so far. It's 
it handled so well, especially the uh, the payoff on the bridge with the with the water and everything. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's one of the things that I mentioned after that episode. You know, it's Next Generation did an episode kind of similar to that with Data, but the end point of that episode was, oh, Data doesn't have emotions, so he can't really ever have a relationship like that. And the Orville went the yep. exact opposite direction. You know, and so in the end, I felt like the episode, you know, maybe it is cheesy, maybe it is whatever, but I liked it. You know, I enjoyed it because it was more about the idea that, you know, hey, he is a robot, but he can also experience love, even if it's not, you know, exactly the, coolest, the way that we do. Um, the coolest thing uh, that I think, at least behind the scenes wise for the season, is the one scene where he mm -hmm. confronts the... Uh, the head of the, the head of the Kalons um, in the uh, in the mm -hmm. meeting room, how they have about I think it was about like 18, 20 suits in there. That's that was the whole amount of suits they had for the Kalons. I thought that was a cool little uh, cool yeah. little behind the scenes thing. It's the fact that they they were like, yeah, we have enough in the budget for this many suits. The rest of it's going towards that space battle. <laughs> My problem with that scene is I think that they, like, hurt themselves storytelling-wise long-term because they revealed that Isaac also has yep. the guns in his face. So there's never going to be a situation where Isaac is stuck somewhere and it's like he's unarmed. And that, to me, was kind of like, couldn't we just say that Isaac's model or whatever didn't have the guns in his face? I, I, I don't know. It I could just... be that as a condition to keep him to stay on the that's, Orville. He that's was exactly what I was going to suggest. I was going to say no, they probably They asked. didn't say that, though. They probably asked to make sure the guns never, uh, but they never got the chance to look at the body. I, I also hated that design. <laughs> I hated the guns coming out of the head. I don't know why. I just hated it. <laughs> but anyway. I mean, it looks cooler when they're just floating heads, because then you get the kind of uh, phantasm mm. uh, ball homage. Mm. <laughs> um, so, so, Ryan, what did you think about the Isaac arc? Uh, I kind of like everyone else. It was kind of predictable through and through from his turning on them to his having a change of heart and saving the day and everything. It was just, where else were they going to really go with that? I, I do think we approach this show, whether we like it or not with that default Star Trek prism. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm watching it and, Oh, the doctor and Isaac are having a relationship and just in the back of my head. Yeah. Just like you, just like with data, I'm thinking it's going to return to the default at the end of the episode, mm -hmm. but they, I will give them credit for, continuing these storylines over multiple episodes mm -hmm. you know having many arcs for each character it's not just in next generation you the characters the character arcs were kind of drawn out and very rare uh, picard was really about the only one who got any sort of multi-episode no wharf towards the end the last couple of seasons wharf did um well, no, I take that back. Actually, Worf did. But no, no, just... no, Worf. Worf got like one character arc, like episode, like per season. Yeah, only because he was the Klingon. It was to explore right. the Klingon culture. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like Jordy didn't get crap. We knew his mom right. was a captain. That's about all we ever learned from Jordy. No, we knew he was bad at dating. Yeah. Like we knew that Jordy had like the worst grams. love life. Yeah, that's like it. That was his arc. Yeah, he, he was the cool Barkley, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just say a cool Barkley? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but um, 
I'm not going to be able to look at Jordy the same way during my rewatch now. Thank you very much. You know it's true. (laughs) I like Jordy. I love. I like Barkley. Actually, I do kind of like Barkley too, but not in the same way. (laughs) But getting back to Isaac, uh, (laughs) I mean. yeah, whatever. I, I, the, thing about the, the thing about the Orville is you can't take it too seriously. It's fan mm. fiction, it's, so roll with it. You're, you've got to show where the, it's going to have these deep philosophical questions, which are the best of Star Trek, followed by a fart joke. So that's yeah. what you have. You know? And I actually feel like – I think I'm in the minority here, but I feel like with the identity two-part – uh, series that the back half of the season was weaker. Mm. That it just kind of was getting more and more derivative of itself and of Star Trek. And I enjoyed it, but I, I just feel like from there on, it just got more predictable and more. Oh, look, let's do another Mocklins are the worst episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of those. I feel like they're setting up something there, though. Yeah. If they don't pay that off like next season, I'll be disappointed because I feel like there's going to be some schism in the union or something with the Mocklins because you can't do that many episodes about how awful the Mocklin culture is without it going somewhere. I mean, I hope so. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, um, and you can't always have it be like every episode where we point a finger at the wrongs in our own society. It's always the Mocklins because then you do start asking the question, how can the union, like how can the other like worlds of the union, like stomach being with these people, you know? So, I mean, I get that they have, like, the production or whatever that they need access to. or But at some point, you know, enough's got to be enough. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's what they're going to build to. Or maybe they're going to build to a revolution where the Mocklins are, you know, where the Mocklin government's overthrown. Who knows? Well, but I mean, I, at the I, very I, least, I, can we kick Clyden off the ship? Right. We, you know? <laughs> Just, there was actually one episode where I did like Clyden, and now I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Normally, I want to push him out of airlock. Is it the one? Oh, is it the one where he was dancing when the young Kelly probably. was on the ship and he and Bordis were dancing? Because <laughs> he no, wasn't that, that was probably that episode. the one episode where I was like, oh, maybe he doesn't need to be airlocked. Maybe it's the, is it the one where they discovered tobacco? Oh, <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> Actually, I think it was that episode because the one with young Kelly, they really didn't have much of a role at all. I, I don't want to move on from Isaac just yet, though. Just just for a second, I want to I want to pull it back here. Um, you know, I saw a lot of people complain about the second part of that. What was it called? Identity um, of that storyline. But I feel like the comparison to Best of Both Worlds is most appropriate there because just like how Best of Both Worlds Part One is probably the best or at least in the top three best next generation episodes and then part two is like lets you down so hard i felt like it was the same way with identity so it was completely predictable (laughs) to me from that standpoint like of course isaac's gonna turn traitor on his own people and of course he's gonna save everybody on the orville you know i would have given them complete props if they just said like no isaac's a villain now and, you know, went that route. But at the same time, I realized that that was not going to happen and that it was going to... Because that's too massive of a change. The Orville is willing to do some change and do some storylines, but I was like, they're they're not going to do that. So, um, I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Were, were any of you disappointed in the part two? Oh, massively. 
<laughs> <laughs> but wasn't it predictable? I mean, it it was. <laughs> so that's the thing. I mean, so how can you be disappointed if they did what you expected? They did what I expected uh, to the extent only when they did what I expected with regards to Isaac, more or less. But I, it just it's mm. like the Kalons were just stupid in the second episode you know like the borg and best of both worlds part <laughs> I, two, know, yes. I agree. when you put it like that I, I see where your point there's a certain you know um mirroring there if you will but i um, i don't know i seriously mm. that was on purpose however but i i just i don't know <laughs> Oh, I, I, I think with as big of a fan as Seth MacFarlane is of Trek, I find it hard to believe that he wasn't, like, you know, thinking the best of both worlds as he was writing I mean, the only one. thing I would give at any part two is I do agree with Eric, kick-ass space battle. Um, but beyond that, it just – the Kalons oh, – no, it's just too stupid. <laughs> you know? That – actually, I was kind of amazed that the bones didn't turn out to be – the like like the original Kalons. I, I expected that was the one prediction I made that turned out to be wrong. I expected the bones to be the Kalons themselves, not their creators, but like how they had evolved from humans. Like these were their original like they had descended to metallic forms. Mm. I mean, in a way that is what happened. Yeah. They're the progeny, you could say. Right, the progeny, right. And they supplanted the original. But, uh, well, and here's my problem. So, so my problem with that whole storyline, though, is their thing is, well, we have to expand, and so therefore we've got to get rid of all the organic life forms so we can take over their planets and expand into their planets. But I'm like, how many worlds, moons, asteroids are there out there that organic life forms can't live on that machines would be perfectly happy to expand into? There's all sorts of room out there for you guys to just expand to your heart's content. You know, without having to kill anybody. Well, their justification is the biologicals can't be trusted. That, that, you know. Well, sure, but then how, why? <laughs> I mean, I guess the question is then why start now? Because you've been living on your planet. You could have expanded into all the different, you know, planets all around that were uninhabitable to organics and not started any trouble yeah. with anybody. You know, so I don't know. It just seems it seemed like a pretty weak reason for needing to, to wipe everybody out. <laughs> The cost benefits. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'd agree with that. Um, <laughs> At least the Borg wanted to assimilate into more of them. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. See, the Borg had a had a had a particular reason that they needed to get biological because they were they they advanced through absorbing other races. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, but see, Ryan brought up the other thing I wanted to ask about the uh, Isaac arc. Does anyone feel like identity should have been the end Definitely. of the season? Yeah. But yeah. that would have been too much like best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time... <laughs> or I thought it was like, that was the thing. Like, to me, I'm watching Identity, and I'm like, if this is the midpoint of the season, I mean, where do we go from here? I mean, it's yeah, but like... flip that over and say it was the last episode, and then they weren't picked up for a season three. How ticked off would you be? Right. No, it's true. Well, I wasn't even saying leave it as a cliffhanger oh. with just part one. I'm saying oh. both have both, both of them as the last yeah. two episodes. Yeah, I can see that. And it would have made yeah. a little bit more sense for the kind of fluff episodes to be at least at the beginning of another season, um, as opposed to seemingly days after everything that just happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would have been fine with them going more like they went in the alternate timeline and actually having the Kalon destroy the Earth and actually having to deal with something like that. Um, but, uh, you know. 
certainly nothing that happened was unexpected. It's just I think it could have been a lot cooler if they let some real radical change happen. Um, so let's move on to Ed and Kelly. Now, Stephanie, you weren't on the last one, but we all kind of talked about how Ed and Kelly and their relationship would get really, really tedious. So I'm kind of curious from you, since we haven't heard your opinion at all, you know, how do you feel about the Ed and Kelly relationship? Do you feel that it's tedious or do you feel that they've, you know, maintained a pretty good, you know, balance of, you know, treating exes like, you know, real exes and, you know, you you kind of you kind of like the the sort of will they won't they thing. I think it goes back and forth. There are some episodes where it's handled better than others. Um mm-hmm. I found the young Kelly thing to be just incredibly creepy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, see, I thought that one was cute, but okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I found it pretty damn creepy. And I found Ed stalking her in the beginning of the season by flying the shuttle outside her window to peer in. (laughs) That I found creepy. Yeah, that was creepy too. Um, But it was... uh, just I kept thinking of I don't know how our, our oh, how do I want to distinguish them I don't know how like the Kelly we know could be like yeah whatever do whatever you want with young me and just no that would be so creepy so wrong just no um, oh well she really wasn't okay I yeah I was about to say if- <laughs> 20 years of marriage have taught me anything. What my wife says isn't necessarily what she means. <laughs> um, of course, as soon as that happened, I, I leaned over to Tim and I'm like, Star Trek did it. He's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, there was another Commander Riker that appeared too. Mm-hmm. Except he wasn't yeah. Commander. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that episode, the main thing I remember was just my initial, Star Trek did it! Um <laughs> So, Deanna, we can pick up where we left off. <laughs> Pretty much. That's, that's kind of how it felt. And just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it really comes down to an episode-by-episode episode basis. Sometimes I think it's handled great. Other times I'm just like, oh, my God, just stay broken up or get back together one or the other. <laughs> um, and yeah. sometimes I'm siding with Ed. Sometimes I'm siding with Kelly. Basically, both of them are just colossally borked and... Uh, <laughs> It, it would probably yeah. be better for everyone if they just remained apart, but at the same time, maybe if they just ditched the whole pretense of, oh, it'll be bad for the ship or whatever. Just just make up your mind, damn it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Eric, what did you think about Ed and Kelly this season? I hated the... I, I still hate the will-they-won't-they they nonsense. I think it's kind of run its course two seasons now, especially the whole... Look, at the end of the season, Kelly changed her relationship and now everything's all screwed up. And it's like, but but Kelly was, you know, finally in a good place as a character. And then suddenly you make Ke- young Kelly make a really dumb decision that basically wipes out like 80% of the life in the universe. By the by, that last. Well, that just shows how important it is. Look, remember, this is Seth MacFarlane's show, yeah. okay? <laughs> so that just shows how important it is that he and. <laughs> And Kelly get together, and by extension, make out with Adrian Palicki. So I actually, I, I really became a fan of the of the uh, recurring uh, teacher character. I thought he was a, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but Wasn't I thought he was Cassius. A, 
Ca- yeah, Cassius. Yeah. I thought he was a great actor and a great addition yeah. to the supporting cast that showed up every once in a while. I was kind of bummed. I was kind of bummed when he they may have been it. a great actor. Oh, she did it terribly too. Oh yeah, she did. I think his character is kind of a putz, but uh... <laughs> yeah, honestly, I didn't care for him very much uh, with the whole he. They obviously had different paths in mind for their lives, and he was a little bit more forcible about his way. Well, they, it's like towards the end of his story, they kind of tweaked his character to make him less likable. I feel like in the beginning, yeah. he was um, much more I, – I, I wanted him to stay around. I wanted him and Kelly to be a thing. But yeah, mm-hmm. towards the end, it's like they wanted to give us a reason to root for uh, Ned over him. No. Or Ed. <laughs> Ned, Ned is the transporter duplicate of Ed. <laughs> <laughs> I did, love the one, I did love the one scene where uh, Ed gives him the advice on how to make up with make up with her. I thought that was really well done because it kind of showed it kind of showed Ed's character growing up and and kind of gave new light to uh, Ed's relationship with Kelly. I thought that was really well done. And then of course they backtrack on everything completely, and it's just like, no, come on, no, you no, were moving no, forward. No, finally. I think I think you missed it. That wasn't Ed growing up. That was Ed knowing it would drive Kelly crazy if he was giving advice to her boyfriend. <laughs> I don't think that was Ed growing up at all. <laughs> and it did, of course, when she found out that he knew all that stuff because Ed told him. So um so, uh, yeah, Ryan, what did you think about uh, the Ed and Kelly relationship? Well, I, it's unresolved, and it's going to remain unresolved, it seems. And frankly, one of them, Kelly just doesn't need to be serving on, on that ship under his command. It's yeah. just too, too – I don't see how in any real evolved society or, or organizational structure like the union is supposed to be how this is kosher at all. I mean, for the most part, their job performance isn't impacted by it, but at the same time, it kind of is. Um, I really was hoping they'd find an equilibrium, and I thought, again, when she was dating Cassius and he was dating the Krill, I kind of thought, okay, they found a way where they can be friends and mm-hmm. just friends. And I thought, okay, this is smart. They're going through their ship. They're being mature adults and moving on with their lives with other people. And then, of course, they did what they did with it. So I, well, yeah, I thought that was going to last at least for a while with them each. And yeah. I knew the show was always going to move back to Ed and Kelly because it's it's that you know it's that kind of relationship you know where the show always wants to tease like, will they, won't they? But yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. I felt like I felt like. I felt like somehow they managed to keep it from getting tedious in my mind. Um, but I am kind of weirded out by the whole thing. Because, I mean, if we take this for what it's worth, basically the universe is saved by Ed and Kelly getting together. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that means season three they actually are going to get together or how they're going to do it. But yeah, I agree that they need to like sort of pick a mode and stick with it rather than the constant oscillation because that's what's going to get tedious. The thing that really drives me nuts, too, is Kelly's constant insistence of, well, will you be able to place the ship over me and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter if you're together or not. That that same thing right. is going to remain because he still has feelings for you. Right, right. Yeah. He still loves her whether they're together or not. So, yeah, yeah. So the, I mean, the problem's already there. The only thing that would solve that concern is for her to not be on the ship. Yeah. yeah. So if that's her only hang-up on the whole thing, she needs to just get over it. And 
that's just a poor justification um, that she's using to not go forward with it. And well, honestly, yeah, I mean, because they, they apparently there's no regulations, or she would have brought that up. Because like in our military, there's actually like rules against that, like. A married couple, one can't be the superior officer of the other, you know, to yeah. keep that sort of conflict I mean, they of even interest. bring up something like that existing in Starfleet mm. with uh, Janeway mentions it about how, yeah, I know we're stranded in the Delta, Delta Quadrant. Quadrant? Yep. Delta Quadrant. Yep. Okay. I, I was having a brain fart there. <laughs> um, I know we're stranded out here, but I'm still the captain and blah, blah, blah. I, I can only date you holograms. <laughs> <laughs> But not the doctor. Right. Holograms that weren't right. You're not in my <laughs> reporting structure. <laughs> you know, I I will say for when when I, what was it? It was like six years between young Kelly and old Kelly, and I, I just for some reason I thought it was more than that. Wasn't it? I think it was like six Seven. years. Seven. Seven years. That still made me. I I just found that kind of unbelievable. Maybe it's just me and the way my life moves at kind of a glacial pace. But I just found it hard to believe that she went from that to that, <laughs> this party girl to you know career focused in seven years. And then, but then I thought she was married to Ed, so maybe that's what does it. To you. <laughs> it's I not the years; it's the mileage, Ryan. I felt it moved a little fast as well, but I definitely like her with bangs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Well, um, let's talk about our Mocklins. We kind of we kind of did already. Um, the Mocklins are kind of like our, if we're going to have a problem and we're going to talk, we're going to shine a light on societal, you know, issues or whatever. Let's bring up the Mocklins. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Eric. Um, yes, sir. How, what do you think about how they've been developing Bordis and Clyden, and how badly do you want Clyden to die? <laughs> God, I love Bordis. I love Bordis so much. He's awesome. Well, you get the feeling that like Bordis is like one of the most progressive people of his race. Oh yeah. <laughs> While still yeah. seeming like he's got a colossal stick up his ass. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, that is progressive though for a Mocklin. <laughs> I guess there's only there's only two Mocklins that I like, and and uh, I'd say three, but I don't really count their kid because we barely see their kid. Right. Um, the kid's just there to remind us that oh yeah, Clyden did that whole force exchange thing. <laughs> I love I love the female Mocklin leader. She's awesome, hmm. and I really really liked the uh the engineer guy and that leads me to my not favorite because this this is this is one of those moments that beyond ticks me off is the very second that uh that that Clyden decided to make that call to rat out to read out whatever you know whatever was going on and bring bring the Mocklins down on the Orville Mm -hmm. That should have get a, that should have got his sorry butt kicked at off the off the ship. Whether yeah. or not you know Bordis is his mate or not, that flat out get should get you kicked off of an uh, uh, military. Well, you know 
any quasi military. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> or quasi just for that matter, stabbing an officer <laughs> should probably. Do yeah, so. no, I, I I was surprised too that they didn't use that as a as a reason to get rid of him because, uh, yeah, I mean that's that's an act of treason, really. Um, it just seems to me like if you're going to be on a Union vessel, you should read the handbook. You know, yeah. do not stab yeah. crew members. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't. Know, maybe thought they didn't have to put that in there. <laughs> and hey, who who ever would have thought of nine to five as a as a badass? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's again one of the ways that the Orville is great is like taking something so commonplace and injecting it into the sci-fi world and giving it like this whole spin that you never thought of. Well, it's just like we know Billy Joel is going to bring peace between the Krill and the Union. Um, I do love the uh, the speech Ed gave. Um, and you know the fact that we actually got to see the uh, the greater greater collection of admirals all together. I thought that was a really nice touch. But when uh, Egg gives the speech inside of the uh, inside of the room and gives the uh, gives that kind of knock the way the way he does, I thought that was that was really really handled well on that episode because it's he's calling their bluff, <laughs> and I loved seeing that. Who ever thought that they would see Sam Malone as an admiral in a Star Trek-like TV Definitely series? not me. <laughs> oh, absolutely love that. I mean, Victor Garber is always wonderful, but, you know, seeing seeing Ted Danson on the show is great. Well, it's kind of appropriate seeing how Kelly and Ed are basically Sam and Diane. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> that's really tenuous because Ed isn't a former sports star and <laughs> Kelly is nowhere near as cultured as Diane. Yeah, but, but still, you know, will they nice won't, try. Still, the will they, won't they? <laughs> yeah, no, I will. Yeah, in that <laughs> That's aspect. maybe more of a run lighting but, thing. I don't know. Uh, right, yeah. Yeah, um, but Bruce Willis and her don't have chemistry. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, neither do Ed and I. Uh, <laughs> no, I know. Because <laughs> she only has eyes for Gordon, apparently. But anyway, uh, Ryan, so uh, what did you think of uh, the, the Bordas and Clyded uh, stuff this season? Uh, I mean, again, if we're going to frame everything in, in Star Trek terms, clearly the Mocklin are kind of like the Klingon stand-ins who mm-hmm. have this abrasive culture, which we must understand. But the genius of McFarlane here is he takes it the next step and says, yeah, we need to understand this culture. And sure, if we're going to, we can open in the the second season with an episode about peeing and that's fine, <laughs> you know, but then we're going to take it to that line. And like, there's, there's like tolerance and then there's intolerance of, the, uh, of things that should be intolerated. And uh, it, it, right. it, that's where he gets philosophical and that's where he gets deep. I just hate that. It's always the Mocklins. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, that's the same thing that I feel like is like it can't always be the Mocklins unless it's going to come to a head this next season. I mean, if it's building to something and that's why there are so many issues right now with the Mocklins, then I feel like then that can be justified. But you can't just keep doing that season after season. Oh, you mean next season when the Mocklins and the Union dissolve, but Bortus decides to stay on the Orville? So look at that. We've got, <laughs> you know, Isaac and we've got Bortus. Like by season five, the entire crew is going to be just members who. <laughs> <laughs> who have you know gone renegade from their homes? Yeah, season three will be uh, Tala. Tala. No, season four will be Tala uh, breaking away from her people to stay on the Orville when she's called back. Just wait, you know. Just have um, have the union say praise praise Avis once, and you got yeah. your military problem solved. 
And you know, yeah, I I, I love Bordis. Just just hide all those Enterprise posters. <laughs> Basically, my only request about Bordis, besides getting rid of Clyden, <laughs> is Bordis needs to bring back that killer stash. That's all yes. I want. <laughs> <laughs> Best character <laughs> development this season. <laughs> At first, I thought you were talking about the smoking, but then I realized what stash you were talking about. But, <laughs> uh, Stephanie, what do you think about uh, the oh, mock? The smoking stuff? episode was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> at least that 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 bit where they just like unzipped the oh, was it Bordis or Clyden who unzipped the pillow and just started dumping out more cigarettes. Right. Yeah. It's just oh my cigarettes. gosh, I was laughing so hard with that one. Um, overall, though, I am. I don't have too much to say here because Nathan, I agree with you almost verbatim here in the fact that unless they're building up to something, which is what I've been kind of predicting all season, that something's going to happen with the Mocklins and it's going to add extra drama to what's going on with, um, with the Kylons and Kalons. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Battlestar Galactica's lawyer just sent us a cease I said and desist. Cylons, not Cylons. <laughs> I know. I think it was. Get, yeah, getting kind of close. I'm not sure if I was going to slip to Battlestar Galactica or, I was, or if I was combining Clyden with the Kalons, or I don't know. Um, unless there's going to be some twist that comes with it, they have kind of focused a little heavily on the the Mocklins being this bad pa- bad culture and why are we even associating with them at all at this point so i'm really hoping that that does lead to something else or we at least get a little less Mocklins in the future mm. um but i definitely did enjoy the uh finding the planet with the female Mocklins and finding out that hey it's not as uncommon as we were believed for females to be born, and I would like to see more come of that. Um, but there's definitely got to be more going on with the with Mockless and humans or the the union, um, rather than us just hopping back to that planet now and then and seeing what's up. Mm-hmm. Look at this strange, quirky thing that they do, or oh my God, they're just the worst. Is yeah, the two modes for Auckland? So that to pay out <laughs> with something. Yeah, and I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful with what they did with the Kalons this season that Seth has a plan um, for that. I mean, so. we can make a similar argument for last season with um, Isaac, and that came to fruition. So hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be like uh, like Ryan's joking about like that they're going to just break away from the Union and, and Bordis is going to be left there. It could be some sort of a revolution happens on the planet or anything. They stay within the Union, but you know maybe there's a few episodes where there's trouble or something, you know, but yeah, something needs to happen. Yeah, rumors of that planet there's start getting out and all these uh, Mocklins who have had the surgery but kind of regret it or wish it hadn't happened. That There's a bunch of different things they could do with it, uh, not even just focusing on the... Uh, the gender uh, dynamic that they had created for Mockless. There's a lot of things that they could definitely do, and I just hope that the heavy-handedness of being shoved, here's Mockless and their weird culture pays off somehow. Mm-hmm. 
So, we've been talking a lot about the characters. Let's talk about favorite episodes. Um, Eric, what was your favorite episode this season? Should be a, it should actually be no surprise. It's, uh, it's the Gordon-heavy uh, holodeck episode where he falls in love with a girl from the past, and they surprisingly don't play it off as a creepy thing. Yeah, that one's called Lasting Impressions. Easily my favorite episode of the se- of the season because technically it's a bottle episode, but you're also getting, especially after poor Gordon went through, you know, losing his best friend that he had before Ed. You have that palate cleanser of, of uh, oh, and you get Tuvok in there, which was a nice, uh, nice surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Just racking up their Star Trek alumni account. I love when he played the uh, when he when he played the uh, principal on iCarly. Still my favorite. Uh, uh, why can't I think of the actor's <laughs> name? He's so good. Our, our age difference must be way higher than I thought it was. <laughs> but anyway. Um, uh, Tim Ross. Tim Ross, yeah. Is, I knew it was Tim yeah. something, but yeah. I couldn't think of his last name. I Carly, oh my god. Anyway. No, he's, he's only in a couple episodes, but it's fun. And because, you know, it's Star Trek Voyager, you go, wait, is that Tuvok? And then you go, yep, that's definitely Tuvok. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, actually, I really like Lasting Impressions. If, if you hadn't taken that one, that was going to be mine. Uh-huh. because And this is sort of my refutation of Ryan saying that the back half of the season wasn't any good. I didn't say it wasn't any good. I said it wasn't as good. Well, I'm sitting here frantically looking at the episode lists because that was the same one I was going to say, too. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, wow. I've already okay, mentioned yeah, the cigarettes multiple times. <laughs> Sure, no, 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 and that that was the subplot on this one, but I found this one to be such an interesting study of, again, something that happens in culture, and for once it wasn't the Mocklins, <laughs> but, you know, this idea that people, like, fall in love with this sort of idea of a person, right? You see their online footprint, you see, like, the things that they present, and you sort of, like, get this impression that you know the person far better than you really do. And now, of course, because it's science fiction, he actually can go and create a simulation of her and interact with her and everything else, but, uh, and then, of course, finds out that he didn't know her as well as he thought that he did. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I loved the, the, how it brought him to such a high and to such a low. I loved all the stuff about you know twenty you know first century culture and the interaction between them and everything. And I thought that it gave Gordon like this really good. I mean, it gave um, Scott Grimes like a really good you know uh, episode to sort of you know flexes his acting muscles a little bit and, and yeah, show I some range in it. So sing, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The man has yeah. at least one record out there. I did not know this. Um, But another thing that I really like, too, going kind of piggybacking off of what you were saying about how you can think you know someone. And he fell in love with this perception of her, but then things kept going back to that ex. And so he tried to just reprogram her a little bit so that he could have her. Mm -hmm. And he discovered that changing those things completely changed her. And that's not only a, uh, a really interesting commentary on you know how people may criticize their partner or whatever for this one flaw that they wish they didn't have but if it was gone it might be a completely different person that you wouldn't care for at all uh but even a own self-reflection type thing when you kind of dwell on something of your past that you wish you could change but you 
that that's part of who you are. And this showed that if you remove that one item, it can completely change your entire being. Also, the plot of the Star Trek The Next Generation episodes. Yeah, tapestry. Well. But uh, <laughs> I can always bring it back to yeah, Next Generation. I'm going to make the joke about it. It's a nice twist on uh, what Jordy went through, except kind of completely different. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, they were obviously uh, there were some elements of that too with uh, Leah Brahms in the uh, in the holodeck. But but that was her, that simulation was never as real as this one, and. Um, you know, uh, the, of course, the mistake was what Gordon should have done is instead of erasing the boyfriend entirely from e- existence in the simulation, he should have just like had him like hit by a truck like two days ago or something. So like she couldn't have gotten back. And <laughs> yeah. no. So all the stuff, all their history together would have been the same, but then he couldn't come back into her life. <laughs> but then no, we don't yeah. learn an important lesson. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So you're, you're thinking you're too limited in your thinking there, Nathan. If doing that, then he's got to compete with the guy's ghost. He should have. <laughs> Have the guy reprogram the, that guy's personality to make him realize that you know he's gay or you're not into her or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, but no, I I liked that episode. I thought that it was really well done, and um, um, you know, I thought that it was another surprise. You know. You know when it's going to be, like, a big episode about the Kalon or something like that, that you're going to get into, like, you know, a, a, a you know, a Psy, you know, Orville story. You're not very surprised with, you know, the, the depth the show can go to. Lasting Impressions was one of those ones I was kind of surprised because I thought we were getting into a comedy episode. And while there was some comedy in it, I felt like it was a lot more nuanced and philosophical than that. So, yeah, good choice, Eric. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> Ryan, what about you? What is what is your favorite episode this season? Yeah, that's funny because I did not like lasting impressions at all. Oh. I don't like it well enough. <laughs> but again, it just, I was watching it and I was like, okay, we've done this before. It didn't really. Yeah, they did. They did. They do a twist on it, which is what the entire show does. It takes Star Trek and does a little bit of a twist. But I just, I don't know. I it just seemed like. It just maybe if it had been honestly, if it had been in the first half of the season, <laughs> I would have been fine with it. But second you half, just it just have felt this, like it, weird, time... like yeah, like thing about anything that happens in the second half of the season. It just wasn't good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's not that it wasn't good. It just it, it felt. It just feels like really, really, really derivative. Mm. Like even derivative of itself uh, in the in the second half. Um, but my favorite episode, having said that, is probably the most derivative episode of the entire uh, season, um, uh, which is – I'm pretty sure it's the one uh, – Nothing Left on Earth ex- excepting the fishes, which is where uh, Ed and his Krill girlfriend, mm. he finds out she's Krill and he's been kidnapped and then they have to rescue each other and uh, you know um, and all that other jazz on the planet. And they bond and you know, he gives her Billy Joel <laughs> and you know, uh, that's going to bring about intergalactic peace. Um, that's probably my episode. And I gr- I'll grant you that not only is that like been ripped off of Star Trek, but it goes all the way back to like almost the enemy mine and, you know, and probably, probably like French Indian war stories. Who knows? Well, but, um, the whole thing of, you know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're captive of, you know, the enemy, but then you fall in love with the enemy and all yeah. that's in there too. <laughs> that's such a trope. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's absolutely yeah. true. But for some reason, it worked for me. Maybe because I didn't see the character being that spy, being uh, um, that 
I, I, that twisted. I mean, she she played it perfectly to the point where where I think she secretly did in part fall in love um, with Ed, and that's going to come back uh, in the future, or at least it should. I certainly hope it does come. Yeah, back. Yeah, I think it's going to come back too. But I I realized not like Eric was saying, like when you know she appeared or whatever. I realized when their shuttle was attacked. Not that she was that character, yeah. but the fact that the Krill found them in the middle of nowhere. And they, they were even, like, Ed was even like, how in the world could they have found us, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, crap, she's a spy or something. So, while I didn't get who she was, I got that she was a spy at that point. So, so uh, but yeah, so I wasn't surprised. Like, when she was being tortured and they were telling him to, like, give up the information, I was like, yeah. Oh, that was so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, no, I did like that they tied it back to that previous episode because I think we talked last season about how good that episode was. And, you know, uh, I mean, it was both good and bad. I mean, the stuff with them trying to infiltrate the Krill was bad because they were so obvious. But, like, the ending was so good to that episode and how hard-hitting it was. Um, so I'm glad that they pulled from that element, the good part of that episode, <laughs> and did more with it. What made that episode work, or part of what made it work for me, is, yeah, the fact that, I agree, some, somewhere around the shuttle, I also mm. kind of figured out what was going on. And during the torture, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. But what made it work for me is, during all that, during the torture, even though, like, intellectually, I knew this is totally fake. I was yeah. hoping it wasn't. It's, ironically, I was thinking, let the torture be real because I want those two kids to make it. You know. Like... <laughs> yeah. See, that's one of the reasons I hate the uh, Ed and Kelly. Well, they want that is because yeah, she may be a krill, but the actress is awesome and the character is awesome, and I really like the way she plays off of it. Yeah, but see, I mean, you're forgetting this is derivative of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Riker and Deanna can be like one true pairing, but at the same time, they can each date other people. So, I mean, I don't think that we're, uh, you know, I don't think that yeah, yeah I true. think that Ed is, <laughs> you know, can have other love interests in the show, and they'll just randomly forget that he loves Kelly for that episode. Or maybe he just has too much love for one woman. Yeah, was... Who knows? <laughs> yeah, but you also forget that uh, Riker and Troy are... Swingers? Are oh. Gene G- Roddenberry humans. Oh, swingers. And... Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the way Riker dressed in civilian clothes? You know? <laughs> no, that's just, there's so much commentary about, like, uh, Gene Roddenberry and the things he would say in these extras. And, like, it seemed like at the towards the end of his life, he was just obsessed with sex. Because he would, he, like, when he when they did the original Riza episode, he was like, yeah, I want to see, like, orgies going on in the background and, you know, stuff. And it's just like, what? You know, like, Ira Bear is, like, <laughs> describing his conversation with Gene about that episode. And he's just like, I'm looking at him like, what are you on, man? You know? <laughs> 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 <sighs> well, we I was do, more so getting at this point that they're you know mature adults and in this uh, utopia society where people are past conflict and such so they're able to let each other (laughs) boink other people Um, whereas Ed and Kelly are based in a more a a universe that's a little bit more closer to ours and therefore we have this frustration that passes on to the viewers you know now I'm really seriously thinking I mean 
I don't think they ever really established how relationships work on Beta Z, except, I mean, we know mm. they had marriage because it was in the nude, because <laughs> that's right there telling you something. But what uh, the fact that they are empathic and telepathic, you know, you couldn't really like cheat on your yeah. partner. They would know, you know, it, something's going on there. So there would have to be some sort of, yeah, system there. That's that's fascinating. I, <laughs> that's something to think right, about. Right, but right, yeah, right, I, right, that's, let's, that's let's all not buy about Riker and Troy. We do. We do need we do need Ed's parents for real. Just saying. Okay. We get we get to see the tease of them in season one, and I would love to see Ed's parents actually come on board the ship for at least an episode. I think it'd be I, I fun. want the backstory with Ed and Kermit. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously his parents raised him right. Kermit loved music, uh, the pop culture that the guy loves. <laughs> well, apparently there was no pop culture after 2015. Right. So, you know. <laughs> All our references are to things that the audience understands. <laughs> um, Stephanie, what was your uh, favorite episode next to lasting impressions? Well, my second favorite episode was just discussed. So... Oh, no! <laughs> Your third favorite epic, and we get a third favorite episode. <laughs> Let's just say the Kylons attacking, because it had an awesome space battle. No. <laughs> one that I thought actually kind of rivaled ones that were from Babylon 5, which previously were like some of the greatest space battles. Yeah, that's true. Well, even DS9 in its last season had some really epic space battles that, you know, yeah. where Star Trek usually isn't great with the space battles, but uh, DS9 for the Dominion War had some really great ones. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm tired of scrolling through IMDb trying to read episode <laughs> synopses real quick, so I make sure I remember them correctly, so... Wikipedia is far better for that purpose. <laughs> eh, probably. Yeah, but anyways, awesome space battle. Wee! <laughs> okay, um, this is kind of hard now. Uh, uh, and not, I'm saying that not because I didn't like the episodes. It's just because I'm not sure that I had, you know, like a clear favorite of the one that's left. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with one we haven't uh, talked about as much. So that would be home, home, home. Well, I'm glad you're in the same predicament. Well, no, as we me. talked about home. That's what I'm saying. We talked about home. So I'm trying to talk of like find one that we didn't talk I thought about. You meant like as a uh, a favorite episode. Well, yeah, I mean, home is a favorite episode because it was a great you know springboard for Alara and there was all that cool family stuff. But we already talked about that. Um, okay. I'm trying to I'm trying to get something new in here, man. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we could talk about the porn. Episode no, I, I would rather not talk episode, about that episode. Right, that episode was hilarious. Uh, that was the only episode I probably didn't like this season. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I just thought it was so funny, especially when they're catching up Alara later, uh-huh. or not Alara, uh, Tala later, and they're like, "Yeah, uh, Bordis almost destroyed the whole ship with porn." And she's just like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> the I don't know if it's the primary plot or the subplot. I guess it depends how you look at it. But the the saving the people on the planet was pretty good. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that that mm. one was good. Um, now I guess I'm going to say sanctuary, even though we did kind of talk about it. And I guess what I'm going to mention that we haven't talked about yet, though, is I kind of liked 
that they presented the situation in a way that shows how like governments can get into a situation where they talk themselves into being okay with um you know violations of i guess sentient rights in this case you'd say human rights in in our world but you know uh that they're like well you know we kind of need the Mocklins and the greater good and these aren't actually like official like citizens so it's okay if they're you know if they do what they want with them and blah 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 and you I know mean, they they almost said to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. And, and you know, and so you get to have Ed, you know, taking the hard line of you just can't do that. You can't play that sort of, you know, game with that. Because if you allow one, you know, atrocity to happen, you, you can let them all happen. So I, I liked that they that they went there. I thought that that was I think I think the fact that that's the last Mocklin episode this season and it did come to such a head is kind of what's flagging to me that they're going to go somewhere with that in the second or in the third season. Um, because, yeah, I mean, saying it's the last Mocklin episode, though, isn't saying much, seeing as how the next episode is a two parter. That is the <laughs> season finale. Well, I know but... But I'm just saying that that they sort of ends the Mocklin arc. For the season there with Sanctuary, so I feel like it's it's kind of springboard, like it's it's put everything in a place where in season three they could easily spring off of that and and go somewhere with it. And it was the most uh, impactful, I guess you could say, of all the Mocklin mm-hmm. episodes. It was the one that had the most far-reaching consequences. Yeah. Yeah, I also it really wasn't... enjoyed seeing all the various alien designs, even though we'll probably never see ninety <laughs> percent of them again. Well, I was actually kind of surprised at how small, relatively, the Union is, because I was always imagining it just like the Federation, with like you know thousands of different worlds. But we see their like council, and there's only like maybe a dozen races represented. So who knows? Maybe there's only a dozen races in this universe. Well, I know, but I'm just saying though that that's interesting. So I mean, there's room, there's room to really dig into each species. I think because there aren't that many. So uh, I think that that could be. I, I think that there's a lot of places for this show to go. Let me just put it that way, and that they could even go more into like expanding more than just like trying to create like peace with the krill, but other races and how they bring them in and stuff like that. And I, I don't know. I feel like having it be like sort of like the federation as it started out gives them more that they can do with it than the sprawling ginormous starfleet federation that we have well you you know nathan the union might be a lot larger if they were just all the same astrological sign (laughs) (laughs) oh god see the my problem with that episode was that they didn't go with the os thing of saying like yeah but the stars from my planet look different and so you know what you're saying you know like use the astrology to your benefit and be like no actually on our planet it's this sign and it means this and so if you like sort of like talk to them in the lingo they understand then maybe you could have like come to some agreement instead they're just like your beliefs are stupid you know and that was like their whole like way of trying to negotiate with them of course like of course that's not yeah yeah. i thought the same thing that all we needed to do was get Earth astrology involved or Mocklin mm-hmm. astrology involved. But instead, they create a fake star that yeah. is eventually going to come back and bite them in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, because I felt like, I mean, you should know, even if you're like the worst diplomat ever, that you don't just go off by saying, like, you're stupid, your beliefs are dumb, and like that's going to get you somewhere. So, yeah. 
Well, they weren't Mocklin. Right. If they'd been Mocklin, they would have bent over backwards to, you know, accommodate it. Right. Oh, you know what? We have more people that are of that. Let's, let's send them yeah. down to you. <laughs> you lock them up, too. Uh, yeah. But, um, but no, I mean, that was a very... St- I mean... And again, I, I I like this show because it gives me more Star Trek. And if that wasn't like a classic Star Trek episode, I don't know what is. You know, it's the planet where astrology went too far. It's just like our world, just a little bit different. No, no, no. The left side of his face is white. The right side. <laughs> Best episode ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, it's fun to mock that episode, but it was actually kind of sad at the end. Well, no, I think that that ep- I I think that episode actually is really good. I'm just... Ryan's the one that's mocking. Well, it. only in the sense that it just makes you realize how absurd these notions are. Oh yeah, it really and that's does. What this episode does as well. I mean, mm. you know, we're gonna put people in camps over the stars when they were born and and this is a, a space-faring race at that it's just okay <laughs> right they're gonna have c-sections like so that they can like have their child a month early and <laughs> you know to, to and that somehow is going to fundamentally change their personality and how they develop and yeah of course, then again the krill do worship a car rental company so <laughs> <laughs> so i was saying that the the union has to cover all the enterprise uh, posters <laughs> <laughs> we only do our rentals through avis <laughs> oh, favorite cameo eric jason alexander okay I, I really like that bartender character. I thought he was really well done. Didn't feel like super heavy handed. He kind of reminded me a little of um, he kind of reminded me well a little bit of Guinan and a little bit of um, yeah. He said not heavy handed drive. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. A little little bit of little bit of uh, Guinan and a little bit of um, uh, yeah. We were talking about the whole two doctors thing earlier. He reminded me personality wise a little bit of. Uh, What's his name from Voyager? Why can't I think of uh... Neelix? Yeah, he. Re- I don't know why he just reminded. Maybe character design wise, he reminded me mm. a little Neelix. But I thought okay. I thought Jason's out, and he was in two episodes, so that was that was fun. I kind of hope we see him recur down the line because I thought he, he's a regular cool. now. He was in two episodes. Hey, you want to know? You know, you, we didn't talk about him, but I, I want to say, uh, you know, uh, honorable mention. I think should be given to Yafit this season who has had like one of the best personality makeovers of any character because instead of being the creepy stalker of dr finn like he was in last season suddenly he's like mvp on the ship and is like taking blaster fire and is like a true hero I love Yafit. <laughs> Yafit is basically uh what's what's his name's godfather at this point yeah yeah um (laughs) So, uh, Stephanie, um, favorite cameo this season? Oh, I, I have to give it to, uh, the doctors. Mm. Um, mostly because I liked both of those characters in their original shows. And while, um, what's his name? Robert Picardo, right? He was hologram. Yep. An actor I randomly know their name of. Um, <laughs> his character wasn't all that different, but the uh, actor who played Phlox, who, of course, I can't remember his name. Um, uh, Billingsley. His was uh, completely different than Phlox. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just kind of enjoyed the dynamic that the two of them were playing off of each other. And we had uh, one of the one of the mothers or the women were also a Star Trek alum, but I can't remember which Mm -hmm. one. Yeah, you can't take all of them. No, I'm just commenting (laughs) that one of the one of the other women was also. I just can't remember what. But um, I don't know. I've I've always enjoyed both of those doctors on their shows and seeing them. Uh, return and banter off of each other even though they're completely different characters it was just still kind of fun um, I know that's a very heavy Star Trek reason why as to why I enjoyed that cameo but okay and uh, Ryan what about you favorite cameo this season um, yeah I know we talked about him very briefly but I'm going to go with uh, uh, the interim security chief played by Patrick Warburton yeah uh, uh, Tharl Lieutenant mm. Tharl uh, <laughs> the, one of the promos that, at least on my station that they ran like in between like and the Orville's coming on next yeah. and it'd be him going bitching yeah you know <laughs> and <laughs> I saw that every episode and it cracked me up every time <laughs> I don't know why, but that character really grew on me for like the two episodes he was in it. And I, I really wish he'd, he'd stuck around and done something more with him. Yeah. Oh, I'm the exact opposite. And I love Patrick Wolburton too. And I just, oh, his character in this. If he had stuck around, I would have just had an instant least favorite character. Mm. I mean, IMDb has his quote being, you know, uh, yeah, my last captain had a total boner for me. Not a boner boner, a professional boner. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but it cracks me. <laughs> yeah, Warburton is somebody that's hit or miss for me. I loved him as the tick, but I think that uh, I didn't really care for this character. I didn't care for him in Seinfeld either. Um, but uh, If you say you don't like Brock Sampson, I will end our friendship. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Oh, I love Venture Brock Brothers. Samson. Uh, what? Venture Brothers. How do you not know Venture oh, Brothers? Oh, no, I've, I've, I've heard of it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like how I'm guessing you don't have a good place either, because mm. Ted Danson, as, cat, as an outdoor here, didn't bother me. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. no, I've, I've heard of the good place also, but have no idea. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've already said Ted Danson. Um Absolutely love seeing him as Admiral Perry. Uh, I guess I'll say this for somebody who I haven't said anything about um, and we haven't mentioned yet. Marina Sirtis was on the season. So, oh, yay! Yeah, that's right. Another Star Trek alumni. She was the teacher at the school. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's nice to see her uh, in the show. Apparently, Bruce Willis was in this season. I have no idea who he was, but I, that's... Really? Yeah. Really? That's kind of like how Liam Neeson was last season. Yeah, or they had, um, uh, what was his name? Uh, Rob Lowe. Yeah, yeah, they had Charlize Theron yeah. last season too. So I mean, they can get the big names, but apparently, it was a character named Grugan. Why does that sound familiar? Not sure. It does sound familiar. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who Grugan was, but yeah, Bruce Willis, uncredited, <laughs> in the Orville. <laughs> so Seth can get him. Um, he can get the big names. But um, all right. So uh, was there anything about the Orville? that you wanted to talk about that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, Ryan, we'll start with you. Um, not particularly. It's, I, I, I don't get me wrong. I know I've bashed it a lot, this podcast, but I enjoy it. And like, uh, like, like was mentioned earlier, uh, with discovery and this coming on at the same time, it's an argument in my household. If we have them both on the same night, you know, which we're going to watch first. And it's, you really, huh. you, you can't go wrong whichever way you go with that. Um, 
it, it, it literally got to the point where one night would be – we would watch them both on the same night. And it, because we – whoever won, like if we were doing Discovery first, well, we weren't going to bed till we saw the Orville and vice versa. It, 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 it's just – even though they're completely different and even though it's not technically Star Trek, it's still – I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just imagining you and Nancy like circling each other and with the Star Trek. I would Orville Discovery. I would lose that battle. Eric, was there something you wanted to mention about the Orville that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um. Because we have covered a lot of ground, so, um, hmm. mm-hmm. I, I did love the, um, the peace agreements between, between the Krill and, uh, the Orville and, uh, and Ed doing his, Ed doing his best to be peacemaker and, and being stuck between a rock and a hard place. And that was the, the, the first of the, uh, the Gordon kind of centric character episodes, because obviously, Gordon was even more in a rock and a hard place where he's like, okay, here's here's my f- best friend popping back up, even though I've known Ed for a decent amount of time now. So who who do I really trust and who do I listen to? And pro- that episode probably has one of the one of the coolest uh, moments for um, for the Doctor of all of of the whole series so far, and the fact that without any hesitation, the second she sees she sees the girl and realizes what's going on, gets Tala out of there and, you know, presses down the airlock to make sure nothing, uh, nothing destroys the ship pretty much. I thought that was one of the coolest moments of the whole show. And, um, Stephanie, what about you? Anything we didn't talk about? Get my name there for a minute. (laughs) No, no, no. Sorry. I was, I was, I was having a flashback to earlier today. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I think we've about covered everything. Um, there's been a handful of little comments I've thought of, but people were talking, and I over-talk people often enough. I didn't want to keep doing that. Now they're pointless to bring up, because... <laughs> yeah. So comments they were just... Context are the best comments. <laughs> <laughs> Mulder and Scully are much more successful at the will they won't thing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> all right, valid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not really all that out of context, but that's the only one that's really sticking out in my mind still. Little mm. comments that I couldn't figure out how to slip in. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we've covered everything that I really hoped we would talk about. Um, if it wasn't something I said, somebody else already brought up the point. So, okay. All right. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's same with me. I think that I had some things that I wanted to mention while we were talking about them, but uh, I kind of lost them. So um, if you knew somebody who watches Star Trek but had not given the Orville a chance because they were turned off by the commercials, what would you say to them? Um, Eric. Do you like do you like Galaxy Quest, but would like a slightly more serious version of it here you go okay i think i think totally it's not quite galaxy quest but you're right that is pretty that is pretty close um ryan what what would you say to somebody if you're trying to convince them to watch the orville and they're a trek fan um i would say if you want to see 
<laughs> the uh, the best Star Trek fan fiction with the <laughs> with the best budget ever. This is your show with with Star Trek actors and repeated uh, roles. You know, um, yeah. it's but it doesn't even just take from Star Trek. It it's like. Uh, when the accidental Kylon Cylon mistake made me think how much more like the Cylons uh, the Kalons are. And now that's all I've been thinking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you have planted that seed. <laughs> there you go. You know? So it's, it's basically, it's, it's science fiction of the Star Trek mode, but through a uh, Seth MacFarlane lens. Yeah. No, that's fair. And Stephanie, what would you say to somebody to to talk up the Oroville? I think Ryan pretty much had the same type of uh, argument that I've actually had with people. Of if you do enjoy Star Trek, particularly Next Gen um, or even TOS, uh, it's really going to be right up your alley, just with a little bit more modern humor in it. Um, and that's not even to say that the humor in TOS and TNG is dated now. It's just, it, 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 it's just more human than it is trying to be something that we aren't. Um, and that there, it successfully blends humor with the best of Star Trek while also taking elements from other sci-fi that Star Trek never really delved into without turning into something dark and gritty because that's what sci-fi writers think is cool and thinks it's what we want. Hmm. You know, I, I would probably bring up that to me, this is almost the spiritual successor, even though from, all right. So from a design standpoint and a visual aesthetic, this is a successor to Star Trek, the next generation. But I feel like in a lot of ways, this is a spiritual successor to the original series, because I feel like the original series was probably the most philosophical of the treks. And I feel like this show can get into those very philosophical like areas and really examine. It's a little more hard hitting with the societal Mm -hmm. commentary. Let me put it that way. Whereas I think Next Gen played things a lot safer um, whenever they did societal commentary. So, um, you know, I, 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 but then, yeah, it's got the humor on top of it. You can't escape that. But I feel like, you know, if you feel that, you know, it's going to be like a family guy kind of thing or like Ted or any of those other McFarland things, it's not like that at all. And the humor is more character driven than just, oh, external wacky things ensue, you know, kind of thing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, let's, I think we've talked about the Orville. We talked about a 14-episode season for two and a half hours, so it's probably enough. <laughs> like so. 30% of it was Star Trek, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, but it's, that's the thing. It's, it's the double-sided, it's the two-edged sword of the Orville. It will never escape comparison okay, to Star so then, Trek. Okay, so real quick question then. If Star Trek had not existed, if there had never been a Star Trek and Seth MacFarlane pitched this idea for Orville as is. Do you think it would have gone? Th- it would have been greenlit. No. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as it is, even with Star Trek, network TV won't usually handle a show that's about space. Right. You know, I mean, it's always difficult. You know, most of the sci fi shows we think of from like the 90s and stuff were syndicated. You know, they weren't network television. Um, 
You know, this this show gets made on the strength of Seth MacFarlane and the strength of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, I think without one of those things, you don't get it. It drives me nuts because this is my favorite type of sci-fi. Right. Well, that's the thing. And that's CBS's argument for why all their new Star Trek stuff has to be on their streaming service because they say it just doesn't work on network TV. They don't get the viewership. Now, the funny thing is the Orville is proving them wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That if you do it right, you can get viewers to watch, you know, a space sci-fi. Although, to be fair, Orville is kind of on the bubble. You know, there was a lot of fear that it was going to get canceled and not renewed for next season. So, um you know, especially with the buyout, Disney buying Fox out and the Fox network being spun out as its own separate thing. People were afraid that they wouldn't have the money to fund a show like the Orville. So, so we'll see how season three goes. Um, it could well be the last one, but I hope not. But, uh, all right, let's say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online. So, um, let's start with you, Eric. As always, you can very easily find me on the internet if you just go on Twitter and type in at Eric Radcliffe. And you can find the podcast and the webcomic and my Facebook and probably my Instagram and everything pretty much through Twitter because I am very easy to find on the internet. I do not hide well on the internet. I don't know why. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Stephanie, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Goodbye! Um, you can find me pretty much the same way. Uh, I don't exactly hide on the internet. The question is as to whether or not I'll be actively using whatever social media you happen to find me on at that time as I pretty much go through spurts. Um, the most frequently used and the most consistently public forum for me, though, would definitely be Twitter as well. Um, you can find me as Elkrea, that's A-L-K-R-E-A, and it's usually me yammering on about um, either Sailor Moon or writing or tea. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, if you're into tasty tea or Sailor Moon or want to <laughs> hear me babble about trying to be an author, that's where to... Go to find me. So if someone got your Twitter account and made a simulation based on that, do you think it would accurately reflect your life? My Twitter account alone? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> you, you pull in my, um, my Facebook in there, too. Uh, but my Facebook is, you know, friends locked. Um, but you pull in my Facebook and you dig through ancient live journal and all that type of stuff <laughs> you, you might be able to get something semi-close I actually posed that question to Tim after we uh, watched that episode and he said uh. that after staring at me for a few minutes he said it'd be pretty close but it would be an even it would be a very obnoxious feminist <laughs> and I'm like oh so I'm not obnoxious in real life okay <laughs> So that's funny. So that that's what my significant other thinks is that you know it would be pretty close, just a little bit more vocal about my political and social okay. beliefs. And Ryan, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Well, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say goodbye to the internet. Um, we are forever, um, at least until you know the power gets shut down or something like that. Um, 
you can find me actually you know what you can find me at dragon con in like two months how about that uh i will be probably on many many panels for the american sci-fi uh track american sci-fi and fantasy track and a few other uh tracks as well but definitely that one <laughs> fingers crossed i hope i'm not lying here um <laughs> but right, yeah, I was about to say they haven't announced the panels yet, right? So you can't I cannot say, say that for sure. sure. But you know what? Uh, odds are you can edit this part out me if that doesn't turn out to be. <laughs> so quick, do your backup ending. Yeah, exactly. You can find me at DragonCon. I'll be at the Marriott. You know. <laughs> um, but other, you can find me in line to see Lena Perea. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, if you want to check out a, a dusty website, you can go to geekstranger.com. Uh, go ahead, because every now and then I get an email saying I had a visitor, and that's always nice. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, <laughs> GeekStranger. Uh, again, though, that's not really in much use my problem is is that i have a hard time keeping my geek life and my physical life separate and i want to and so uh, i'm worried that if i really let go there then it's just gonna i don't know what sort of can of worms i'm gonna open there but uh, if you post a comment uh on my social media or on someone that i know and you're wrong i won't hesitate to you and to say i've why. seen this happen <laughs> and we're not actually mutual friends we just have a lot of mutual friends <laughs> not friends well, that seems like a mistake but the, the thing is ryan you keep promising these things and you haven't been that way in like two years you know you don't have like real conversations anymore you just like post things and then like don't maintain your own feed <laughs> <laughs> well hey ryan if you want to feel better i still have alcrea.net and i'm pretty sure the last time i updated it was either 2010 or 2011 so I do feel better. <laughs> and I, I mean, still occasionally get these random, hey, you had visitors this month. And I'm like, they were probably bots. <laughs> or people who listen to this fine podcast. There you go. <laughs> because I do occasionally link this podcast to my website. You know, So uh, if anyone has stumbled upon this podcast from geekstranger.com, welcome. And you're welcome, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you've stumbled on geekstranger.com from this podcast, you're welcome, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah if uh if i do make it to dragon con because it really is in doubt now financially um you'll find me in line for lana priya so you know just like camp out like in front of there and you can find me but uh i have no idea if i'll be on any panels or anything um hopefully because i know people so you know it could happen but i'm not going to be all arrogant like ryan and say that it's <laughs> you know, gonna happen for sure but you know we'll see but yeah um, I've already petitioned for, uh, the Star Wars track, the Apocalypse track, and the Brit track, because they've already posted stuff. So, you know, but yeah, I'll probably be on American Sci-Fi Classics, because I know people. But, anyway. <laughs> Alright, so, Ryan, Eric, and Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Thank you for having thank me, as you. usual. And that's it for our Orville episode. We hope that you liked it, and you can let us know in a variety of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website at 42cast.com and leave us a message on any of our episodes. You can also go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also tweet to us at 42cast or go on our Instagram at 42cast. You can also leave us feedback on either Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. 
with Apple Podcasts. The more reviews that we get, the more often we'll show up in searches. And so we'd definitely appreciate if you would help us with that. I also want to let you know about the ESO Network Patreon. That is a way for you to help all the shows on the ESO Network. You get different perks based on the tier that you pay for. And so if you have any funds to contribute, we'd definitely appreciate if you would do that. And you can find that by going to patreon.com slash ESO Network. You can also find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to purchase the episodes. We know that it's hard to find uh, Classic Who in the States, especially. We explain everything important that happens in the story, and we talk about what we thought about it. So if you just want to hear our banter, if you just want to learn about Doctor Who without spending that money, you can listen to us there. But obviously, if you do have the episodes and can follow along with us, then you'll, de- you'll get more out of it. The other show is Legendary Forces, and that's where Juliet and I again, but also joined by Corey, Joe, and Ashley, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. So that's all the movies, TV shows, comic books, novels, anything that takes place in the Star Wars universe. We review the media, we tell you how good it is, and then we also talk about the evolving idea of the Star Wars universe, how things shift. Uh, as far as what's canon, not canon, what people created when they didn't know things that would come out in later movies. And so if that sounds interesting to you, then that is Legendary Forces, and check it out. There's nothing new to report on con news. I'm still planning on going to Fan Expo Chicago in July, and I'm still planning on going to Chicago TARDIS in November. So I will definitely keep you updated with more developments as they arise. Well, that's a wrap for this week. Join us back next week when Tom Hiddleston will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan, signing off. You have been listening to the 42Cast, copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.